plots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me Went ahead and impeached that entire group. The Virginia Supreme Court. You know, Jim Talent and I talked about that last week. Good morning this morning from the Discovery Design Studios. Coming up at 7, we've got Gia coming in. 8.30, Doug Giles is on the way. Doug's crazy. Just finished a portrait of Raquel Welch, of all people. Raquel Tejada, as a matter of fact, if you want to get right down to it. Or Tejada, I guess you could, uh, that would be more accurate. Also, I had the latest news that Robert Mueller is now probing Roger Stone. Stone saying he's like looking into my private life and everything. More Omarosa tapes. Anybody care about this stuff, really? The Amorosa stuff? I try to figure out whether those of you out there, I mean, I, I, it just seems to me to be. The news media likes it because she's kind of playing into their hands, but they've got, a, they've got an issue with that whole thing. They've got to be really careful about who, they, who they're hooking up with here. And I, th- I think she's just got a credibility problem overall, even though she has done some good work as. Uh, as Jim Hoft pointed out a while back during the campaign, she did some good work, but I think she's got a pretty weird credibility problem. And then plus it just seems so boring to me. Is it boring to you all? I, and I, I'm not saying that it's just, you know, because we love Trump or whatever, but it, it, it doesn't the Omarosa thing just seem like it's just somebody who's just bitching about something or other and, the only thing that was surprising to me from that whole thing was when John Kelly said that none of the people under him work for the president. 
which I thought was kind of weird to me. Did you all detect that? That was kind of uh, odd to me when it was declared by John Kelly in that little taped meeting that somehow, some way, these people who work under him do not work for President Trump. I thought that was kind of an odd thing for the chief of staff to say there, but maybe maybe that's just me. It's interesting, though, when you go back in time when it comes to some of the people who taped phone calls. Do you remember a long time ago when Linda Tripp was among those who was taping individuals? Like she was, Linda Tripp, during the whole Clinton affair, was taping Monica. She recorded her intern conversation with Monica Lewinsky. Remember that? About her tryst with Clinton. And Linda Tripp had these tapes. And most of the news media said she was a backstabber and a betrayer. Did you all know that? You remember that? Like the last time there was somebody from a from a White House where they recorded something, they were roundly criticized and attacked. Their credibility was called into question and they were and they were called backstabbing individuals. And this was by people basically in the mainstream media. I mean, I don't I don't have the tape of this, but Geraldo Rivera, remember him? Back in 1998. Geraldo's interesting. Of late, he's been a big fan of, of President Trump. But I remember when those tapes came out from the, the, you know, the NBC tapes, those tapes came out. And Geraldo declared Trump's candidacy dead. Remember that? Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't much of a fan of uh, President Trump at the time. There's a fly in here to kill that thing. Maybe it'll get cold enough to slow the thing down. Normally when there's uh, air conditioner or something, the flies tend to slow down. Just s- slow enough so you can kill them. Anyway, Geraldo. This is, this, is what, uh, this is what Geraldo said in 1998 about her. He said... Uh, They wanted to make money on a book, but once push came to shove, they were perfectly willing to sacrifice the young former White House intern on the altar of greed, on the altar of hatred for Bill Clinton and his administration. And my God, a first-year law student hearing those tapes will be able to make her look like exactly what she is, a treacherous, backstabbing, good-for-nothing enemy of the truth. That's what Geraldo said about, about Linda Tripp. I don't know what he's saying about Amorosa, to tell you the truth. Then Time Magazine, Margaret Carlson. Tripp lost membership in the family of man when she taped Monica Lewinsky. CNN anchor uh, Jim Moret to a reporter, Bob Frank. And Linda Tripp seemed to try to cast herself as a woman, victim in this case, almost an unwilling participant. No mention of the 20 hours of tape she surreptitiously recorded of Monica Lewinsky. And then there was a Newsweek who said uh, 
trip uh, basically called it a betrayal. So anyway, I'm just – the news media back then when it was Clinton who was kind of being zeroed in on, they didn't really like that a whole lot. But they like it now. They're, they're, going, they're going kind of crazy over this whole thing. So we'll follow up a little bit on that. But the Amorosa thing bores me. I, and, and, and it's not just because I'm I, – I don't know. I, am I jaded? Or something, but it just seems to me that it's it's not uh, anything that I really uh, am willing to sink my teeth into and 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 get uh, get into it because it just doesn't make any. She she doesn't. I as I said earlier, as I said yesterday morning, I, I don't believe that she was a good hire on the part of President Trump. I think he's got to be careful about people like that who just kind of come in off the street. And I realized she was a participant in his show and all that kind of stuff. But let's face it, she's still kind of off the street. Did some good work for him, but I don't think was necessarily qualified to be the one of the top people in her in his administration. But, oh, well. I mean, she did some good work uh, evangelizing for him. That's about it. Yesterday, of course, he spent a lot of time on uh, Nancy Pelosi and her interview on MSNBC. And... I'm not going to spend a whole hell of a lot of time on her now, but I will have to tell you there was part of the interview because it was, it was nine minutes long and the show ended before I could get to the entirety of the tape because it was nine minutes long and it was so entertaining and so rich in kind of exposing Nancy Pelosi as first of all, this person who doesn't really isn't capable of making a cohesive argument on behalf of the Democrats and will do her little follow the bouncing ball hand gestures about dog whistles and make America white again and everything else. By the way, what exactly does that mean when they say make America white again? I know it's catchy and I know it's, you know, odd in its own kind of way, but what exactly does that mean? Because you really can't, even if you wanted to, you really can't make America white again right so what what exactly is that other than a catchy empty kind of gratuitous phrase because it doesn't really make any sense people don't really ever probe these gratuitous statements made by these individuals when they say make america white again they don't say what exactly does that mean because then then when you ask them that question, they really can't tell you what that means. Because there really isn't anything that anyone can do to make America whiter or white again. I'm not quite sure where that's going, what that means, other than just a pejorative attack on White people, which of course seems to be the kind of thing to do these days, call everybody a racist and a bigot and everything else. Now, if if they mean that that whites want a level playing field like anybody else, that, that whites want what blacks and what Hispanics and everybody else wants, then 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 I guess that would be white again, but it but or regain power or something because I seem to remember that that there are white people who have plenty of power. Thank you very much. It's not a loss of 
power of that, I think, is is the the issue. So I'm just trying to figure all that out. I I, I just uh, don't get what that phrase means. But no one is seemingly curious other than me. And, well, and you all are there, but I'm talking about like people who could tell us something. So anyway, part of that interview, towards the end of it, Nancy Pelosi is being interviewed by this dude who's uh, who's filling in for uh, it's Jonathan Capehart. Isn't isn't the worst guy on the planet, but he's you know. He's still a left-wing guy over there at the Washington Post, and he's interviewing her about the, the speakership. And ABC News has a story about— And it's interesting because there's this, there's this idea, and, and, and unless I'm missing something, there's this idea, there's this, there's this belief among people that there's a rat's-ass chance in hell that Nancy Pelosi is going to be the next Speaker of the House— it, keep in mind, there. I guess there's always the possibility, and in fact, to a certain degree, to tell you the truth, with the kind of presidency that we have seen with President Trump, it's all but shocking Democrats haven't been able to run the table. It's not really that shocking necessarily because President Trump's success has been so great in the economy that even a generally accepted turnover in the house that comes two years after a new president comes in who is as aggressive and assertive as as he is and as obama was but this has happened in every single election i mean if you go back to 1982 and the turnover there uh, it's it's not it's a common thing for the house for the other party to take hold and gain power and maybe even regain control of the House of Representatives. Because what happens is you get a a presidency normally, like Reagan was a great example of that, but Obama was too, where they come in and they really do instill marked changes in the country. And they are very assertive in their policies, uh, very assertive in their principles, and they don't mess around. And so they make some pretty marked changes, and the pendulum swings to a pretty large degree. And so generally the reaction, of course, is – well, they call these individuals divisive, but I don't think that's, that's the case. Assertive would be more or less you – know, muscular would be another example of that. So a muscular presidency will often have a reaction on the part of the other party to kind of try to muscle them back. And so you just get that. This happens all the time. In fact, uh, as Genevieve Wood pointed out, it has happened in every single midterm election two years after a new president is elected. So sometimes it doesn't even matter whether that president is muscular or not. It's just the fact that that guy's there. And people are pissed about the election that happened two years before, and they want a little bit back. And so that's when you get in some of the smaller reaches of the House of Representatives, people who are going to vote to try to get it back. And when you imagine all the crybabies we've seen out there in the country these days in the wake of the president's election, I mean, hell, they were breaking windows and lighting fires the day of his inauguration. You'd think this would be a cakewalk for the Democrats. But the fact of the matter is the public is so turned off by their messaging, 
so turned off by their representatives, which would be people like Maxine Waters and she sending out her flying monkeys to attack everybody who supports President Trump. Uh, People have had a reaction that actually is changing history, it seems, for the opposite party here. Now, again, there is a possibility that there will be a changeover. There is a possibility that I guess they could they could take over the House. But the fact that it's such a struggle right now is really horrible news for the Democrats. And it's because they don't have a message. It's because they don't have any kind of – you heard Nancy Pelosi yesterday. And she was talking about, well, we need to go back to building roads and infrastructure and putting people to and I said, well, people are already back to work. We need people to have a bigger paycheck. People already have a bigger paycheck. The cabinet and the controversy in the cabinet is polluting our air and our water for our children. It's like, no, it's not. Even these even Democrats are like rolling their eyes, going, Oh, this old bag is not really lucid here. I don't mean to call her an old bag. It's terrible to me. You know what I'm saying, though. Nancy's just not a good rep for the Democratic Party. But nonetheless, I think she has this fantasy that she's going to be the next Speaker of the House. And so she's being interviewed by Jonathan Capehart. And she decides she's, gonna, she's going to allege that NBC is trying to get in her way of becoming the next Speaker of the House. So here's her fantasy. NBC News has a story about all the, the Democrats who are running who are running for election this year. Um, they interviewed, you, see, you see it there, Democrats opposing Pelosi. And these are the 51 people who were surveyed who are candidates. 42 of them are not Democratic nominees. Nine of them are incumbents who have said that they will not support you in the run for Speaker. Why not? If the Democrats take back the House, give up the gavel. Well, first of all, let let me just say this, and I know NBC has been on a jag of this. This is one of their priorities. On a jag? What is it, like from the 1940s? Uh, NBC's on a jag. Oh, really? Are they running pell-mell to the thing, are they? It's like, where did that come from? Actually, I had to kind of look it up because I know that it's a word. I've, I've heard the word before. But I think last time I heard the word, it was uh, it was Edward G. Robinson. Ah, you got a jag, do you? You're on that jag, are you? See? Where's the dough? It's like, dude, it's from like 1941. Ah, yeah. uh, he's on that jag. Go, t- go off him. Go take your Tommy gun and take care of him. He's on a jag. It's like, that's part of the other thing there. Most people are like, Jag again? What is that, Grandma? The speaker, but putting that aside. Do you foresee a situation or a possibility where... Well, uh, I was talking to the Negro boy there on MSNBC, and I told him that NBC was on a Jag trying to take me out, you see. That's what I was doing over there. Do you foresee a situation or a possibility where you would decide not to seek the speakership if Democrats were to win the majority in the midterms? Again, that is the least least important question of all, with all due respect. Uh, It's an NBC question, I know, because that's a jag you all are on. Ah, yeah, the jag, the second reference to the jag you all are on. You see that jag you all are on. 
Cruella is not happy with these, this idea that she may not be the House Speaker, that she might be just a little What's outdated. What's important is that I'm staying focused on winning this election. I'm not even thinking about what happens next. Yeah. There's no way she seems focused on winning this election because th- that was the tail end of a nine-minute interview where you couldn't dig up one issue that the Democrats could possibly see as a winning issue. They had to go all the way back to 2006 to talk about George Bush and something or other. And then she had to go back to 2010 and Mitch McConnell and, and, and still mad at Mitch is what, what the democratic party ought to be using as their bumper sticker. Still mad at Mitch for wishing the lack of success on the part of President Obama, that, that was pretty funny yesterday when she was going off on Mitch. You know, he said he wanted uh, Mitch, he, Mitch McConnell said that he wanted Obama to fail. Remember that little Negro boy I'm talking to on NBC? Shouldn't that scare you that you're going to go back into slavery? It's like, it's unbelievable. So you, they got to come up with something else and, and they haven't quite, uh, haven't quite been able to, to do that. Meanwhile, on another Democratic front, I don't know whether you noticed that the news media has essentially ignored these domestic violence allegations against this Keith Ellison character. He's the Democratic Minnesota congressman. He's number two, by the way, in the Democratic Party. And... Keep in mind, this he's running for the state's attorney general there in Minnesota. And, and, and in defense of Keith Ellison, uh, in, in defense of Keith Ellison, I will say it's kind of weird how this thing came out like over the weekend, just days before the election on Tuesday. I find that odd and it might be because people finally sensed, oh, no, he's going to become the state attorney general and we've got to do something about it. And so they they came up with this information and, and the woman can't provide a tape or anything else. And so in fairness, I, I want to be able to say, you know what? It's suspicious when somebody comes out with a claim. It's right before an election. And and you'd think, well, Alman, you're defending Keith Ellison. I said, yeah, well, kinda, I kind of am because I would defend a Republican the same way. So I don't want to lose sight of the fact that just because this guy's a Democrat and just because he's Keith Ellison, that we ought to just simply throw away all pretenses of innocence before proven guilty. I, I just wouldn't want that for anybody. And so, but... Let's just go back for a second here and remember that there were allegations against this Congressman Collins character regarding insider trading, and it was like top dog news. I mean, it was top news. And those were just allegations too, you know, even though they seemed to be a little more credible because they seemed to have everybody kind of dead to rights. It was kind of a family affair there with the Collins, as it looks like, but who knows? But nonetheless, there was this idea that he was already guilty and certainly 
Trump was guilty by association. They went all the way to the reaches of, oh, he's a big supporter of President Trump. Well, Keith Ellison's a big supporter of Nancy Pelosi and a big supporter of Barack Obama. And yet nobody's saying, oh, one of the biggest supporters of Hillary Clinton, because Keith Ellison was also a supporter of her too, uh, is now accused of domestic violence. I'm always, again, very leery of this stuff. I wouldn't want that to happen. I'm not saying that should happen to Keith Ellison, but I'm just saying that we all know that if he were a Republican or if he were associated with Trump in any way, this would be the number one news. And you'd have people coming out and saying, this is just like the Me Too movement. Everybody deserves to be heard. Remember all that kind of stuff? with Stormy Daniels and all these other allegations that people have been making. These women deserve to be heard. They must be heard. Well, apparently, the folks over there at ABC and NBC have completely ignored the story. Fox News and CNN have covered it. And CBS covered it on Monday morning, but then didn't cover it in the evening time. And again, in fairness, this comes two days before an election. You have to admit there's a little bit of a question mark there when something like that happens. The woman says there's a tape, but hasn't produced the tape. So that changes the story a little bit. So I I understand that you got to be careful in these situations. But I'm telling you, it wouldn't have been something they would have been careful about had it been a Republican or somebody, heaven forbid, tied to President Trump. Because then, then, you know, the whole misogyny thing comes into play. Also, it's interesting that Keith Ellison is the number two guy. Like, do you all know who the number two person in the Republican Party is, by the way? I don't either. I, I, you know. I know that that and and that's another example of the Democratic Party because I remember Chris Matthews was talking about how President Obama someday should be on Mount Rushmore or just like a rung below it. It's like that's how these people treat blacks. It's like, well, you can be can be the number one guy, but we'll just call you the number two guy and act like that's a big deal. Here's the uh, The Minneapolis Star Tribune reports Minnesota Democratic Congressman Keith Ellison denies allegations of domestic violence. The accusations come ahead of a primary tomorrow in which Ellison is running for state attorney general. Now, even when CBS, by the way, did report the story, it began with his denial. You find that interesting that, that it began with Keith Ellison's denial of the story. Now, again, let me ask you, do you believe that the national news media would have began a story that involved a Republican accused of something with the Republicans' denial? Or would you have started it with the allegations and said explosive allegations tonight against another Republican associated with Donald Trump, this time involving attacks on women? 
I know exactly how they would they would enroll with this story. Ellison is running for state attorney general. Ellison's ex-girlfriend, Karen Monahan, says the six-term congressman dragged her off a bed by her legs and feet. The allegations came to light over the weekend when Monahan's son posted about the incident on Facebook. Yeah, and keep in mind, this is, again, an ongoing election. Just because it's two days before it doesn't mean it's necessarily a uh, a just a job that's designed to hit him and get rid of him from the race. Sometimes it does matter. Sometimes people panic and they're like, oh, my God, this guy's going to become state attorney general. We got to start talking now. And I, I get that. But anyway, the Keith Ellison story uh, has been kind of roundly put away. And again, I think this should be the case even when Republicans are accused of such things and the timing is is questionable, but it just wouldn't have happened with a Republican. So we're just asking for fairness, and I'm going to defend Keith Ellison here and say that I do believe on balance it ought to be treated very, very carefully. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, ought to be treated very, very carefully, and uh, you are innocent before being proven guilty. Heather Aberly, hi, Listening from Daytona Beach, Florida. Man, I got to tell you, Daytona is beautiful over there. And this is the great thing about the Radio Free Almond app, my friends. The great thing about the Radio Free Almond app is that you are able to listen anywhere in the land. I have a lot of people who were traveling on summer vacation and they were listening to the show the whole time. Which is also why when I talk about advertisers and things, why I tell them there's so much more bang for your buck when you are on the Radio Free Almond show because you are – people are listening to the show everywhere. There's, there's no one who's kind of uh, signing off. They're listening everywhere. So if you want to have impact on people, you can have impact on them all the time. The Discovery Design guys love the Radio Free Almond app too because the Discovery Design guys are a nationwide firm. Even though they're here in St. Louis, Rick and Jerry Pogue run the joint and they're building trucks from the ground up. They're a nationwide operation and uh, they build trucks. People have come from all over the country to get trucks built at Discovery Design. Phone number's right there below there, and you can get them at discoverydesigninc.com. Daytona Beach is cool. I I, I loved, I remember uh, I was in Florida. It was right before the, I went to, I was at some kind of uh, auction, and this was right before the 2012 election. And they had the Republican convention in Tampa. Tampa's kind of a dump, by the way. Or maybe it was where we were staying. We were staying in this seedy motel that was right next to Bush Gardens. And we were right near like the check cashing and pawn shop stores there. In this motel, I was like, "Thanks a lot for setting us up here, Channel Channel." Uh, oh no, it wasn't actually. It was ninety-seven one that did it. Never mind. I was like, "Thanks a lot for really going all out and helping us out here, setting us up in some, you know, uh, some uh, 
heroin motel. But anyway, we're sitting there, and we're in Tampa. So I did, though, before that, I, I went to a some kind of auction and had this grand idea of, of, of bidding on a condo in Orlando in the event that we went down there and went to Disney World and – you know, we could stay at the condo and it'd be really cool. But the reality is when you go to Disney World, the best thing to do is go ahead and, and stay on the on the property. I, that's what I would recommend to everybody is if you're going to Disney World, stay on the property. The idea of having to go into the park every day, it's just not worth it. So anyway, so we wound up not using it. And so what happened is I went from uh, the Democrat convention was in Charlotte, North Carolina. So. What I did was I uh, went from Tampa, and then I flew Ethan and Katie in from their far reaches, New York and Chicago, and we stayed in a condo uh, for a week. And one day we went out to Daytona. We just drove the hour and a half or whatever it is from Orlando to Daytona because, first of all, I'd always wanted to see the beach. I've always wanted to drive on the beach. I love that beach out there, the flat beach, you know, where you can park your car or camper or whatever else it is. And that was really cool. And Daytona's kind of old school Florida. That's that whole, uh, what do they call that? The space where we, well, the Cape Canaveral, you could see, you could see the, the uh, launch pad from the beach in Daytona. It's really cool, but it's old school Florida. So they got all these old school motels and kind of, it's just kind of Great uh, Florida, so I'm Heather. I'm sure you're having a great time there. And then we they left, and then I went up to back to uh, uh, on to Charlotte and covered the convention. And the rest, ladies and gentlemen, is history. And by the way, without further ado, right now here at this particular time, six thirty-five, it's time for our national anthem. <laughs> Don't slip so tight 
Yes, indeed, live from the Discovery Design Studios. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to hit my friend up, Matthew Mitchell, 855-QUOTE-ME. For all of your insurance needs, he is my, my agent for home, life, and auto. 855-QUOTE-ME is the number for the Matthew Mitchell all-state agency. He can make things happen for you. That's that's the great thing about it all is that he uh, he can make things happen for you very easily. And for you younger people, he definitely has a really great way of getting things going for you there because uh, a lot of rates for young people can be tricky, but Matthew Mitchell can make it happen for you. Don't forget also to call my brother Chris Kahneman over there at Mattress King, this week he has some great specials for you Radio Free Almond listeners, and these are mattresses that are already the least expensive you're going to find anywhere in the land. And, of course, Chris and Mattress King, one of the original supporters of Radio Free Almond when we first uh, arose on the 7th of May. 636-698-5167. 636-698-5167 is the phone number there. One Mattress King on Facebook. He does it by appointment only, although he has Saturdays. Uh, they're, they're open 10 to 2, but does it by appointments only, so it keeps the cost down for you. He's got the groovy Campbell mattress there, which is, I'm sorry, Symbol mattress. 1961, baby. Bamboo. Love the pillow he gave me. I had some back issues. You know how that goes. And some neck issues. I don't know. Somebody's asking me to play some Aretha. Yeah, I know. She didn't die yet, though, did she? I know she's she's, uh, ailing, but some prayers for Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin's an interesting character. She's never she's never flown in an airplane. I think she has once before, but got a thumbs up from Matt. It's always good news when you ask if someone has died or not and get a thumbs up. I'm sorry, Matt, what? Oh, okay. She's home and resting comfortably. That's the Aretha Franklin update from our friend Matt. It's always good news. But yeah, when you look when you're going through a window and you're asking somebody if somebody has passed away and thumbs up she's alive, that's always good. Yeah, Aretha Franklin. Oh, there's always been some difficulty with her in people getting things done with her because she doesn't like to fly. In fact, I don't think she's so. So when she goes to her concerts or she performs, or I think one time, one time she did a duet with Frank Sinatra, and they had to do it like through two studios or something because she she was she was not getting into an airplane. It's pretty interesting about her. Love her though, Aretha. You see this poll? This is the strangest thing. Because do you remember when? Do you remember when? 
when there was talk that Texas was going to secede from the Union. Do you all remember that story? And, 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 when, and when, when Texas talked about seceding from the Union and Rick Perry was involved in all that, Remember when he was called a racist and and Texans were all a bunch of racists and everything else because they talked about secession from the union because they were people who Texas was up to something. It was about I don't know exactly what it was about. But it was it was it was about guns. I don't I can't remember. But at one point, Texas was like, screw you. We're seceding from the union. And of course, that became a big deal. And everybody was accused of who wanted who were supporting secession were accused of being racist. And we're going back to the old days. This is just like, you know, slavery and Confederacy and blah, blah, blah. Well, so anyway, there is a Zogby poll out. And keep in mind, uh, Mama Kate, does my mic really sound weird? Mama K says my mic sounds weird. I don't know. Does my mic sound weird? You're the only one who's mentioned my mic sounds weird. But that might be because because Mama K is a paranormal enthusiast. And so she hears things and sees things that other people might not be able to pick up on. You realize that, don't you, Mama K? So Mama K might have something inside that she's able to pick up in a microphone that nobody else can pick up. Do you hear do you hear this mystifying tone, do you? Mama K, do you hear a ghost? And I'm saying that about Mama K because first of all, I love her. She's been a longtime supporter of the show. And secondly, Mama K and a couple of her friends by the time September rolls around, and hopefully just in time for a spooky October, Mama Kay and her friends are going to have a paranormal show on Radio Free Almond. Once we get our lineup done, everything else, you guys are going, when are you going to finally do this, Almond? It's like, well, I, I, you know, it takes some time, you know. Building a gigantic uh, operation is not easy, people. It's very difficult, in fact. Uh-oh, Matt's creeping in. What'd you see? Is she seeing something now, too? Huh? I can touch it up just a little bit. Well, no, she's talking about the sound. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh. The sound ran into the camera now. Oh, okay. It's running through the camera. Oh, so so Mama K did pick up on a minor change in that. So, Mama K, you do have a special sensibility about you. You do have a special tune-in quality there, where no one else was able to detect a minor change in the microphone that I was speaking into. There was Mama Kay, who's used to running around in old houses, picking up on sounds with her little divining rod, or whatever you call those things. Oh, microphones. Those things. We pick up ghosts. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to these folks having a... uh, Having a yeah, primaries, right, Mama K. Thank you uh, for the show. So we got to get together. I promise you, I'll be touching base with you guys this week, and we'll get that together, and we will uh, we will get you going for this uh, paranormal show. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, very, I like that kind of stuff anyway, and so it'll be uh, 
it'll be fine. Because I actually have a story about a well, – I'm working on a, a story, uh, a big operation on a, a young writer here from St. Louis, a poet. And I've been researching her backwards and forwards, and I and it all began one time. I went to her, went to her house to kind of like take it all in and see what it was like for her as a little girl, and what it was like, you know, as a, where she grew up and where she lived. And I'll be darned if she didn't follow me home, and and never let me forget about the story I need to continue to do about her. And that's what I'm doing right now. So I can't really say much about it because it's, it's – uh, this is going to happen before I get to Rachel Jackson, that's for sure. But eventually, folks, I'm going to be able to have some time to do this. I just uh, noticed, too, that my uh, lovely daughter, Katie, chimed on. Katie, you there? My I, sweet daughter, Katie, from New York, she and Courtney came and visited in St. Louis. It was uh, – the, uh, Katie's grandma's birthday, Dorothy, uh, and so they were celebrating that with her mom and family, and then we had a chance to hang out with her, and the Kittles did too. And I put some pictures on the on the uh, on the regular my regular Facebook page because uh, it was a kind of a I I, I put it as a uh, as it was a almond girl festival really was what this was because we had Katie and Courtney in, and then we had Natalie and Lily. They had their piano recital. On Sunday, and so everybody was kind of a star in their own right on the weekend. It was really a lovely time, so uh, love my girl, Katie. Sweetheart. All right, so we saw – baby, I love you. Thank you so much for coming down and, and uh, give Courtney a kiss too, and you guys are the best and so proud of you. My oldest daughter, Katie. Aw. Mm. She's cutie too. I'm telling you. Tall. All my girls are Tall. But uh, Katie's tall and beautiful and loving New York. She and I are going to work together a little bit on this project, too, that I'm talking about. All right, so remember when Texas, they were, gonna, they were going to secede from the union, and anytime you talk about secession, you – oh, thank you, Katie. I love you, too, baby. Uh, whenever you – I'm so proud. I'm so I'm, – I get so – whenever, like, I, Katie talks to me, I'm like, I just get, you know, like a – can't believe this beautiful woman is talking to me. I'm just, no, I'm just so proud of her and so uh, humbled by her. All right, so remember when Texas was just going crazy, and 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 Rick Perry is accused of being a racist, and seceding from the union is a racist thing, and blah blah blah. Well, now Zogby does this poll, and keep in mind that Zogby isn't the most reliable guy in the world. I mean, he's had some issues, so so just take this for what it is, all right? A, a plurality of Americans support secession. A plurality of, of 39%, that is. And I'm talking, about, I'm talking about somebody seceding from the union. The strongest support for secession... Who do you think that would be? Where do you think the strongest support for secession is? I, and I'm sure you're thinking, oh, it must, be, uh, it must be among Whitey there in Tennessee. Must be among all those uh, white nationalists that support secession, huh? Or it must be all those... Uh, 
white people down in Texas or Alabama who want to bring back slavery and they want to they want to secede from the union. Well, it just so happens that among those polled, Democrats and black Americans favor secession more than any other group in the poll. While only 35% of Republicans back secession, a drop from 38 last year, we're talking margin of error here, but still, 42% of Democrats support the right of individual states to break away from the federal government to form their own country or a confederacy of states. Now, keep in mind, those of you young people watching here and listening, this is not exactly off the grid for Democrats to believe in secession or the Confederacy of States. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because I believe while modern day has individuals portraying Republicans as the racists and the white nationalists and the this and the that and the black haters and the slavery lovers. You keep in mind that Democrats were the ones who seceded from the union back in the day. Remember that? And formed the Confederacy. Do you remember that? So it's kind of in the blood of the Democrat Party. And although I know a lot of Democrats and they haven't talked to me about seceding from the union. So, I mean, this is a little bit of a surprise to me, but not so surprising when you look at the history of the Democrat Party and what it has done before. And it has, in fact, organized a secession from the union. It's kind of like, kind of like Democrats been there, done that, and have the T-shirt. And, of course, it all led to the Civil War, and we know that is uh, history too. The survey of 1,001 likely voters found that only 38% of white Americans back secession, a number equal to last year, even as 47% of black Americans support secession, which is a climb from 43% in 2017. Apparently, a lot of this coinciding with the election of President Trump, where people are like going, hmm, let's see, we've broken windows, we've burned cars, we've put vagina hats on, we've gotten rid of Confederate statues, we have accused President Trump of uh, being a misogynist, and none of that really has stuck. So maybe what we need to do is just simply leave, leave the country, leave the, create our own state where we can all run around and burn things and break windows and have temper tantrums about. We don't have to have a temper tantrum about election anymore if that's the case. Overall, as the poll points out, America only 12 points from a majority supporting secession. Now, the, 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 uh, and this is according to the uh, the people who are kind of writing up the poll there. One counterintuitive find in the poll shows that support for secession in the South is only 
So it appears the Southerners, who actually wound up ultimately losing the Civil War and would probably have the biggest axe to grind in the wake of such loss, actually are just fine with everything, thank you very much, or seemingly. And those in favor of secession in the Central and Great Lakes region jumped from 25 to 41%. The Central and Great Lakes region. So you're talking about, you know, Wisconsin, you're talking about Michigan, you're talking about all the other, uh, other, all the other areas there. Are we, we having audio problems again now? No, we're okay. 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 Well, uh, Father Miller and, Margaret and Scott all say that the audio sucks, but we're kind of we're kind of back timed, aren't we? There, Matt, we're a little bit behind on it. So hopefully it has been fixed because uh, we're working on that right now. In the West, forty percent of those polled back secession, while only thirty five percent of those in the Great Lakes backed it. Uh, okay, we're just now we're getting into the weeds. One important find is that while a majority of Americans do not back secession, a plurality does. A plurality basically agree with the state's right to make a clean break from the federal government and go their own way. Now, it's so interesting that these individuals, especially the Democrats, would support a secession move, and particularly black Democrats, when – Secession could be considered to be just simply a manifestation of the support for states' rights. And supporting a state's right to secede from the union is a pretty damn big deal for an American to take that road, and particularly a Democrat to take that road, since every time someone has talked before, it seems, in modern history about states' rights – like, for instance, when it comes to uh, deciding their own abortion laws or whatever, uh, that, 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 that seems to be something that the Democrats haven't liked before. They, they make it out to be some kind of uh, racial thing or what have you when you talk about states' rights. Traditionally, when you've talked about states' rights, the people talking about it are normally conservatives, not liberals. In fact, if you, if you go back in time – uh, you know the, the 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 people who really talked about states' rights a lot were people like Madison and Jefferson. Madison, who wrote the Constitution, is a was a big fan of that. And liberals like Alexander Hamilton and others uh, were not so happy about it. They they liked they liked a broader centralized government view. Which is why, you know, you brought you the centralized banks and all that kind of stuff. And Hamilton was part of that. I went through that yesterday with Alexander Hamilton. But uh, but anyway, that's kind of generally you wouldn't think that that Democrats and liberals would support something along those lines. But uh, but hey, listen, strange things happen. And that poll is very, very interesting. And I think it's just because they're pissed off about the, the election. It's probably it. Things aren't going their way. So they finally figured secession might be the answer since they can't seem to break through and, and probably won't in the midterms either. Then you'll, then you'll really have people talking about seceding from the union. They're going to have they, – they might even attempt to you know, 
travel to their own planet in some way, shape, or form. By the way, have you guys seen uh, of late, have you all been looking at Mars up in the sky, speaking of planets? It is as red as I've seen it in a long time. A lot of people don't have time or don't take the time to check out the sky. But if you look up in the sky, maybe tonight still, but over the last couple of days, boy, Mars has really put on a show. It is as red as red can get. Matt, I can't put a uh, I can't put a picture in the comment section, correct? Okay. I took a picture of Mars the other night and it was uh you could see the red. Yeah, they call it the red planet, of course. You could see the red. And uh oh, Gia says she saw it. Gia's coming in. How are you doing that? Are you driving and 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 Facebooking there, Gia? Cuz I think Gia's on her way into the show, I think, as we have arranged. I don't I can't I think I think we made that the case. But yeah, look at that beautiful planet. I, I actually have as long as I have lived, and I but I haven't always paid attention, I have to admit, I've never seen the uh seen it that clearly, the the redness of Mars that clearly. Then of course the other thing you have going on in the sky is you have the pitcher catcher loveliness up there. That's where you have the the moon, which is in its crescent formulation. And I believe at night, I got a 50-50 chance of getting this right, by the way. It's either Jupiter or Venus. I always thought that Venus was that evening sky, but then I thought maybe it's not. It's Jupiter. I can never remember that. Okay, but yeah, so so you see the pitcher-catcher configuration up in the sky, and that is where you can see uh, the sky configuration out in the west. And so you have the crescent moon, and basically it looks like the uh, – it's either Jupiter or Mars. One of you uh, – Jupiter or, or Venus, one of you people know out there. It uh, looks like it's going right into the, right into the crest, crescent of the, uh, of, the, of the moon. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool configuration there. There's a lot to see up there if you just kind of take a look, right? A lot to see. Let me see if I can find uh, some. Uh, uh, let me see. I'm, I know what I'm going to do. Here. I hope it'll get pulled off for this. Get G in here. And how about Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy? Talking about God again. Loving that. We're going to talk to Giovanni about that and more when we come back. And I'll I'll let you go since we're talking about the uh we're talking about the planets and space. Talking about Mars and the pitcher catcher configuration out there. Maybe it is both Venus and Jupiter, but whatever that planet is in the west that you're seeing is uh, heading right to the moon. Oh, yeah, Brett. Hey, when are you guys coming in for your barbecue just stuff, boy? County Brown Barbecue, right? He's coming in this week or next week? It's Brett Steinhoff. 
Yeah, Brett's cool. L-E-O, baby. L-E-O. Richard's worried about the, the viewer count. I we have we have our stream is where we have a majority of our listeners on a stream, which is just killing it. Radio Free Allman on the app there. Facebook page, people are the one of the issues is people are starting school and life is starting like my kids are starting school this week. My son is, at least. Aiden is. And so people aren't able to sit on the Facebook stream like they have before. That's just a measure of the uh, of the viewership. So, Richard, if you're worried about it, that's the answer for you. Oftentimes, you just, uh, people just don't have time to sit, sit in front of their computers anymore. This is, we're starting into that area where now... Life is changing for everybody. Which is why it's so cool to have the the app, because you can take it with you. Just take your phone with you. You can also take the Facebook. You can also take your little phone with you anyway. You can still listen to me and the Facebook page through your Bluetooth. Come on, people. Let the sunshine in. Gia Valenci, let the sunshine in. Come on, baby. That would be your cue to get your ass up and get in here. That would that's basically what it is. She's just watching me from the couch over there. Like, no, I'm I want you in here, Gia Valenti. <laughs> How are you, cutie pie? What's going on? Oh, did I not tell Matt you were coming? Oh. You said it yesterday, but maybe you Did I? Let it shine. Let the sun shine in. I can't hear you. Come on, G. I don't have headphones yet. Come on, G. Let the sun shine in. Somebody, Other people have big heads. There you go. There we go. Hi. There we go. How is it? How's it now? Let it shine! Right, I can turn up a little bit. Let that sun shine in! Perfect. Oh, yeah, there we go. Let that sun shine in, baby. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. My mother-in-law pointed out we did... Yeah, we did find the lamp. Somebody took it back into the... This, some room back there. But, you know. What else are you going to do when you see a leg lamp? But take it in the back room. Checked it for damage. Nothing. Okay. No problem. No. Looks. She looks good. Yeah. Right near the Santino cigars no, and cocktails. No tears in the fishnet. We gotta get you down to Santino cigars and cocktails. I know. Absolutely. I love cigar bars. Facebook must not care whether I'm just taking the fifth dimension and for a ride here. I saw the fifth dimension on a cruise once. Did you really? Uh-huh. This is a great song, man. Up, up and away in my beautiful... Remember that one? I love these guys. Yeah, they're yeah. so old school. They yeah. were all good. Oh, yeah. They were fantastic. On a Royal Caribbean cruise. All about 500 pounds. 
right? <laughs> Sitting up there. I know. I, you gotta love them. You like you like this one. I like this song. I like this one. Uh, this, I think. I think. Uh, I think Mama K liked this when I played it one time. Everybody knew. You saw them on a cruise, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of feel like the once you get to cruise mode, something has something has not gone well in your career. <laughs> Never a good sign. Well, you know, these guys, though, whoops, sorry. Um, these guys nowadays, you know, that's the problem. I, I am not a, a big fan of my iPad. I'm sorry to say, but I'm just not very happy with it. I can't really, I can't really operate the thing and I'm I'm kind of in a in a in a kind of a a bad place with because Apple. of your computer I thought is that fixed yet yes it's fixed so to tell you the truth I really don't know why I'm using this iPad thanks for reminding me <laughs> my computer is fixed it's what am fixed. I doing I don't know what you're doing you've got too much going on there too much going on I still think that the 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 like these cruises and the, the casinos are where everybody's hitting too, you know. Oh yeah. Like if you're like, and so nowadays a casino is every bit as just great as going to the some amphitheater right. or something. Yeah. Like an Ameristar, you can see some great oh, yeah. bands, bands that we still like, right? Yeah. Who was uh, recently? Was it not Chicago? Was it no? It wasn't Chicago? Who was it? Um, Psychedelic furs or something? No, it was a. It was yeah. an Ario Speedwagon. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, those guys. They're here about like five times a year. Joe Chris Anderson says it's Jupiter. I think you're right, Joe. He's talking about the pitcher catcher configuration out in the sky last night, over the last couple of days. Okay. It's where the crescent moon, and then you have the. Uh, the there's, a, there's a planet. Somebody said either Venus it, or Jupiter. I think it's Jupiter. It's Jupiter. Okay. Um, I was in Arkansas, and I have a neighbor who is, you want to talk solar system and, you know, space. He is a fountain of knowledge. He's unbelievable. So we would sit there at night and look up at this, and there's no light pollution. We're in the middle oh, of Arkansas. Oh, it's absolutely oh I bet. Beautiful. Oh, what is it, Bull Shoals? Uh, um, yeah, Mountain Home. Uh-huh. North Fork. The sky, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen the galactic band. I, I it was unreal. It was, I've never seen a satellite move. Have you ever seen a satellite? No. I saw six or seven. Really? Uh-huh. And then my husband has an app that you hold up to the sky. I've got the same app. It's so cool. It's the... Um, What's it called? Uh, it's a Sky Guide. Sky Guide, yeah. Yeah, I have it right here. So cool. And, and it's cool because you point it up, you point it up at the sky, and it shows you uh, Ursa Major, Leo Minor, oh, yeah. and it will tell you what satellite is going. If it's the, if it's the space if it's the space station, it will tell you that. If you look right, yeah. Oh, it will tell you a space station. It'll tell huh? you the space station. Oh, that's yes. cool. Because if you look out, like I'm pointing right now towards the east. Uh huh. 
and it's showing me through the wall, but it's showing, but but, but it's basically a compass based yeah. thing. The sun. So if you all, while you're driving to the east, stare directly into the sun. If you look up from the sun, you'll see Mercury, but you probably you probably won't because Mercury's back there; it's hiding because it's daytime. We played. See, we see played. how specialized I am in my knowledge. We played music that was so appropriate for our our space uh, our space evenings, but you, you, this guy knows everything there is to know. Believe me. Look, there's planet Gia. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the Gia configuration. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. It's planet leg lamp. Look at that. Wow. I think it's cool to see space stations, though. I, I hit, It was really neat. It was amazing. I but love Mars that. was red. Yeah, it was. I mean, red. it's so amazing. You can't miss it. Huge. And I saw the star Sirius. Uh huh. Yeah. Sirius is up there. Yeah. Seriously. Brightest star. So, did you see? Um, I better turn this down a little bit. Go a little hog wild on this whole uh, thing, aren't I? Take it a little too to, to, to higher levels, aren't I? We pl- we played uh, Apollo thirteen and all sorts of. Oh, so you guys are really <laughs> we, into we it. were into it. That star that that app is it's called uh, Star Guide, Sky Guide. Sky Guide. Yeah, I I think it's it's awesome. I I used it in Italy, and what you can do is you can take pictures. So I took pictures of it. You can take, you can snap photos, mm-hmm. and actually, you can intermingle uh, photos with people in them. So you can take a picture with that in the background mm-hmm. with people in the, the picture. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Speaking of galaxies far, far beyond, Chris Pratt. Do you see the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? No. They're great. Okay. The first one is fantastic. In fact, the 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 the, the soundtrack to the first one is is the best. Was that um, Owen Wilson's in that? No, Am I no. Who's Chris in- Pratt's the guy. I'm pretty sure isn't he, isn't he? Is he the guy in the Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, he is. Uh, but anyway, he is now in the latest movie uh, called Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. And he won the Summer Movie Actor Award at the 2018 Teen Choice Awards that were held on Sunday evening. You didn't you didn't hear much about the Teen Choice Awards, did you? And and part of it might have to do with the fact that there he is uh, talking about God, and and now I'm sure that had Chris Pratt attacked Donald Trump at the Teen Choice Awards. I'm sure that would have like they made a, they would have made a big ass deal out of that. But but they didn't make a big deal out of Chris Pratt when he said uh, the following at the Teen wow, Choice what Awards. What a great crowd. Give it up yourselves. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. I have not been a teen for quite some time. <laughs> I love you, too. Uh, I'm just so thankful to be here. Thank you so much. This means a lot to me. Uh, I know... I mean, isn't this cool to have... Well, first of all, I think it's kind of cool to have the Teen Choice Awards. And it's kind of cool that the 
teens have chosen Chris Pratt, even though he is legendarily a person of faith. Like he does, he's done this before where he's talked about God in his life. And every time he does interviews and things like that, he talks about his faith. And so he's, it's, I, I don't know how much the teens know about him, but, but still it's refreshing. These are teenagers. I don't know who Chris Pratt is. He's an, I just told you. Who I he know, is. but I don't know who he is. I just told you who he is. But I've never seen him. Doesn't matter. I think I need to know what he looks like. You have like. to get on the Chris Maybe Pratt I train. Maybe I do know him if I saw him. Can I look <laughs> you him would, up? You would know him. He, well, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Is he hot? I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I don't talk about guys being hot or not. I couldn't, I, I'm, not, I'm not wired that way to look at a guy and say, oh, he's hot. Oh, the other day you said somebody was good looking. I did? Yes. A guy? Uh-huh. No, I didn't. You did. Oh, he's okay. I never said that. Kind of all-American guy, you know. Yeah. That is I don't guy. talk like That's that. Him. Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, he likes God. Yes, he loves God. That's wonderful. He knows who God is. He's, he's seen God in the movies. Okay. He didn't have to look God up on Google to get a, get yes, a picture of him. he's very hot, Gia. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> and that was, a, that was a woman, not a man. Oh. Okay. Did I say, who, who did I say was good looking? I can't remember. I don't normally talk, speak in those. Well, you didn't say good looking. You said something else. It wasn't. Yeah, because I know I didn't. You didn't the, say, the, oh, the, he's good looking. Like you, I you said, uh, once again, to my point. See, I don't speak in those terms. I'm just saying. I said I'm. I'm not being defensive about it. I just generally don't describe. I don't really assess people that way. Although I have to admit, watching uh, seeing Doug Giles's uh, portrait of Raquel Welch. Whoo. Did you see that? I haven't seen it yet, but I, I know that he's probably going um, maybe overboard now to paint all these beautiful women since he had to <laughs> paint so many horrible, horrible ones. He, Who's um, next? Raquel Welch is 77 she's years old, and she's gorgeous. gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She does a lot of yoga. Uh, uh, well, clearly she's doing something because she is – and he did a, he, this picture of her, and I, I, I'll, send, I'll show you the picture when we're off the air here because uh, I have to. Put, it's on my phone, but the uh, I he showed he sent me the picture. At first, it kind of looked like Melania uh-huh. because she kind of had Melania kind of has that beautiful you know uh, face, but but the and 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 more of the the higher cheekbony type of look to her chiseled. Uh, yes, and then the. I said, boy, you really captured her mouth because Raquel Welch has one of the most beautiful mouths you're ever going to see anywhere in the land. And he said, yeah, that's, that's exactly what her, she's – that's her is her mouth is what basically does it, does it all. And he really captured it. And so that was even unsolicited. I said, you got her mouth down. And I never really – I knew when I was a kid she was around, but I never really mm-hmm. – um, Focused a lot on her, but I didn't know that she's Latin. I had no idea. Latina. I didn't know. Tejeda is her real name. Tejeda. Hmm. Which I guess nowadays it wouldn't have been a thing to call yourself Raquel Tejeda. It might even help you. Right. But back those days, I guess they. They, they adjusted people's names. Well, even in theater, a few years back, if your name sounded too ethnic, not good. Right. Now it's exactly. like the more names you have and the more ethnic you sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
It's like it's like people like Robert De Niro, like their like their names are really Robert Schneiderbergerstein, <laughs> and they changed their name to De Niro. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She's gorgeous, though. In her mouth, I always described her. She's sort of animalistic looking, like kind of. Yeah. And, you like know, a lioness. A lioness. And you know who else has a mouth like that is Steven Tyler. Oh, yeah. Steven Tyler, as he ages, looks like an old Jewish woman from Ladue. Oh, it's terrible. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> from Ladue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Here, okay, so anyway, let's go back with the first so part. We haven't gotten to the best part yet. Uh, I know Bryce and I both have so much fun being part of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise. We make those movies just for you. I'm so glad you like them. By the way, have you seen any of those Jurassic Park movies? Yes, but I haven't seen World yet. I was going to take my kiddos yesterday, but we went to Rock and Jump and Bowling instead. Those are scary as hell, those movies. Wait, I, I, because I think... I took um, Aiden one time. So there's Jurassic Park, Mm -hmm. and then there was Jurassic World. Is that the second movie? Or because there was one where there was some severe eating going on. Like it was like it was pretty graphic. There was pretty. It was pretty formidable. These things were chowing down on people and picking them up and whipping them around and. It was like it wow. It me up. <laughs> I know, but but so is this one? This latest one, like, is a is a because I I have to tell you the one I saw, the 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 death toll was really high in this one. <laughs> whatever that Jurassic one was, the the second one or whatever it was, it was the, there was some major dinosaur massacring going on in this thing. Well, in the first one, there are kids involved. And they're under. They're in a car, and they're they're under the car, and the T Rex is coming at them. And my kids watched it. They're like, oh god! I said it's fake, guys. It's fake. There are no more dinosaurs, yeah. and, they, and there weren't people then either. So right, it's totally fake. One thing I have to figure out, and we'll get to Chris Pratt in a second here. But keep in mind, you're at Radio Free Almond, so you're never going to always have a direct path to anything. <laughs> you got to be. But but eventually I do come do. back to it. It's I, amazing. Yeah. How do you do it? I don't know. I don't even take notes. I just you, somehow. Are you diagnosed ADD? Uh, no. You have to be though, and it's so advantageous, isn't it? Great. I think I am. So how do you diagnose people like that? How do there's you? A, do... There's a massive test you take. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I was probably as a kid. You're hot. You're super. I can guarantee you probably have a little, but you're super high IQ too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for that IQ assessment from mm-hmm. Gia Valenti. So I don't need to take the test. No. Then. You just assign a number we to me? We already know. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, because I, 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 you know, I was a kid, I was probably uh, hyperactive. Uh, but, but I thank God I wasn't, you know, didn't have, they didn't give me drugs or things like that, you know, to calm me down. They just let me get bad grades. Yeah. So I'm all that might be it. it. I, I yeah I was uh, I was I I might be but I wouldn't even even if I was I wouldn't just simply say I was you know what I mean like right. uh, you know I wouldn't take any but maybe I am maybe that's a, maybe that's an issue but you come you, back you, you don't forget no you're not like a puppy on crack <laughs> 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 I 
Right. I, I'm not like a but one thing though I do have to ask though about these dinosaur movies is what exactly are they so angry about? Are they hungry or do they just want to kill things? Maybe it's because they're captive. Oh, okay. I was trying to figure out like what was the basis of their of their anger in terms of like why they were so mad. Uh, that, that could because they were killing everything in sight and, and they weren't really eating them. Right. So it wasn't like it wasn't like they were eating like a, like a human wouldn't be like a chicken wing to them. They would they just would kill and then go run away. Right. So that apparently was the, was was their uh, was their situation. I think they were angry that they're in captivity. I see. Okay. Uh, That's my take. I don't know for sure. I'm just making that up. Yeah. By the way, speaking one thing, quick thing about dinosaurs, and then I'm on my way to Chris Pratt's okay. final message to the American teenager group. So Sunday, I come home, and uh, I am – was it Sunday? Yes, it was Sunday. Sunday? No, it was Saturday. I can't remember. <laughs> Katie was in town. And I came home, uh, and it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And Katie was uh, her plane landed, and they were heading over. She and Courtney were heading over, and I went back up to the pool. I'd been there in the morning. Went back up to the pool, and I'm looking around, and I'm seeing this. Uh, I saw like a like a newborn outfit still on the hanger laying on the pool deck near a near a uh, one of the pool uh chairs whatever it is the lounge loungers okay where did this come from so i pick Who's it up having a baby i said i pick it up it's like a it's a newborn baby outfit you're like Andrea. Do you have something you want to tell me? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. Why is this? And and I, I guarantee. And I I didn't I didn't I I know it wasn't there before because I was out there earlier. I was cleaning up stuff, and and then the, we had the the long guys are just are blowing leaves off the deck and everything else. So um, I I I'm picking this. I'm like, where did this come from? And did someone leave this as some kind of like? I don't know. Why would it be an ominous message? Like, you know, here. It's a, and it was like, um, I'm little dinosaur. I had a little dinosaur on. I go, where did this come from? It came from like, had Carter's on it. Are you, uh-huh. a, I don't know. Yeah. You, you don't have babies anymore, but no, Carter's but is apparently a ba- like a baby right. thing. He was like, what is this? And I couldn't figure it out. So I bring it in. And so Andrea and the the kids get home from doing whatever they're doing, and and I was doing it off, and then uh, everybody kind of comes in at the same time, and I ask like, where did this baby outfit come from that's just magically appeared on the pool deck? Well, it turns out that for the second time now in in a in a year, police were chasing these shoplifters from a nearby uh, store or retail place, or it might've been the promenade or whatever shoplifters from these places. And apparently these people were running through my backyard (laughs) and dropped one of the things that they shoplifted on the pool deck as they were running through and destroyed part of my fence and everything else. 
Oh my gosh. But now keep in mind, this is normally on any other given Saturday at two o'clock in the afternoon. You're out there. I'd be out there. Right. But it just so happens I wasn't out there this time. And then the last time some hood rats pell-mell through my backyard, uh, I all, was also a weekend day where I would have been out at the pool, and I just happened not to be out there. Now tell me what your being out there would do. I don't know. What would you do? Um, well... I don't know. I would. I would. I had visions of this time. If somebody was, I would probably attempt to help the police and tackle the guy. Really? Before he went over. Before he went. He was running through my yard. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially through my pool. Well, first of all, now keep in mind. I, I don't know whether somebody's armed or whatever. Right. But, uh, I would have. Uh, I don't know what I would have done. Can you imagine me being taken hostage over baby clothes too? That would be a bummer in my swimming suit. Half naked, being taken hostage by a hood rat who who is doesn't want to do time for stealing baby Carters. clothes. <laughs> I'm not going to be taken alive. I have this old man in a swimming suit. I'm off him <laughs> if you don't come anywhere close to me. That'd be a horrible way to <laughs> that horrible predicament to be in on a Saturday afternoon. What'd you do over the weekend? Well, I was out of my pool and I was taken hostage by a hood rat who had a bunch of baby clothes stuffed down his pants. <laughs> of course, why would you shoplifters generally are not armed? No. Anyway, that's my dinosaur baby clothes story for you. That's hilarious. You want to get on to Chris Pratt? Yes. By the way, then Andrea called the police and we gave him back the, uh, they, uh, we, they the came outfit. and got the, the outfit. Which I'm sure they triumphantly returned to the store. I'm sure they did. It's a cute little outfit, though. The, the Kathleen says, my, my mom-in-law says the pool is fence. They, they got out by climbing my fence and breaking part of my fence. That's how they got out. How, I don't know. I mean, these guys, I don't know how they got in. because The damn fence right. has, is pretty, has these little uh, sharp points on it and everything else. I'm surprised they got in, but apparently they did. And then uh, drop that baby outfit. So, anyway. I guess I could have put it on eBay. Yeah. But, you know, here's the thing, though. The other thing I was wondering is, who would wear, who would, well, I guess I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in that. Uh, who would I'm wear something that was stolen? In that mode. But who would wear, like, stolen items? But I'm not, I'm not really quite, uh, quite there yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, that's a, that's a, that's a white, that's a, that's a, that's a. First world question. All right, so now I got to go back because my because my iPad decided it was going to help me out and start all over again. Restart. It just did that on its own. Yeah, yeah. Why did you use the code? App, Apple has decided that, that they're here to help, and so Apple now is when they're, when they're not trying to uh, take you, uh, you know, uh, correct words for you and uh-huh. and and refuse to allow you to say effing. And instead, say ducking. Uh, they also just restart my iPad whenever they it gets bored. Mm-hmm. The Apple Gremlins come in. Here, this is anyway Chris Pratt at the Teen Choice Awards, and it really was great to see uh, a guy like this get the kind of accolades he was getting from the wow, from the crowd. teenagers. Give it up yourselves! Thank you, guys. Thank you. 
I'm so thrilled to be here. I have not been a teen for quite some time. I love you two. Uh, I'm just so thankful to be here. Thank you so much. This means a lot to me. Uh, I know Bryce and I both have so much fun being part of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise. We make those movies just for you. I'm so glad you like them. Uh, I want to thank God. I always do that when I'm up on a big platform in front of a bunch of young faces. I say, I love God. That's my thing. I love him. <laughs> and you should too. <laughs> I mean, that awesome. is awesome. Yeah. And, and, and the, I love how the teens responded. Uh-huh. I mean, you wouldn't expect them to go, boo, but right. still, I mean, it was very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Made me feel good. Yeah. Did, that, did it not make you feel good? Absolutely. All over it. or just a little bit over there? All over. Okay. It made me feel good all over too, Gia. But yeah, that that's and that but, I, but that's that's but not, I love God, so Yeah, right, exactly. So <laughs> I'm yeah. All, go God. Go God. I'm one of God's biggest fans. Some of my best friends are God. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the kind of Hollywood that I don't think they we we get enough uh right. credit for, you know. And, and and these individuals don't get enough attention. Uh, in my opinion, uh, the, the kind of attention at least that they should. Absolutely. So Scooter says a lot of these people take these. They don't even. They don't wear them. They just steal stuff, take them to resale shops, and that's how that works. So they just they just kind of sell them on the on the um, newborn baby clothes black market. Mm. That that underbelly, right? That that underworld there. See, uh, Peter Strzok has you know. I guess I could have done this, but I would never even dare do that. You like have a GoFundMe page for Radio Free Almond or something. It wouldn't. I, I, there's no way in hell I would do something like that. Although it seems like it could have been a, maybe a good idea, but I, I, the, the idea of asking people for money in that sense was not something I I uh, wanted to do. But Peter Strzok decided. I know. I'm sure there's a bunch of left wing loons who think i'm an american hero so i'll go ahead after i'm fired and and put up a gofundme page and in four hours he was thirty thousand dollars in the black wow yeah <laughs> in four Unreal. hours he made 30 so i don't know what it, i don't know What's what it's at, at right now? now i don't know so, but he's thinking that he's thinking that, you know, hey, as long as I'm just you know the the most hated guy from the Trump administration, I'm sure I could make a ton of money off of this whole thing, and he did. It's kind of like Andrew McCabe, remember him uh, from the FBI, mm-hmm. and uh, there's still a chance he might be he might be charged with something. So he had an online fundraiser, and he took in a half a million dollars. Wow. And his wife is a doctor. I mean, you'd think that you know that with that kind of income and everything else, that you wouldn't need to. And you're an FBI agent. Wow. And by the way, this is Peter Strzok, and I know these guys because I know some really good people in the FBI. And these guys are you. You retire at fifty. Yeah. And and you're making good money after you after you've retired, and and of course. To, I don't mind that at all because these guys work hard and risk their lives and everything else. So I'm not. I'm not a. I, I don't 
you know, retirement for uh, benefits for police officers and firefighters and things like that, I never have an argument about. I, in fact, I don't think they I don't think they make enough. I don't think their benefits are high enough. We ought to be. I think between teachers and uh, and law enforcement officers, I think they're woefully inadequate in terms of uh, the kind of pay, or even for that matter, the pensions they get. At least, but who knows? USA Today says it was one hundred and thirty thousand in ten hours. Oh, okay, wow. <laughs> so yeah, so it's keeping. It. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and thirty and four. Like he started it out and he got thirty thousand. It's a lot of money right there. One hundred and ten thousand dollars. One hundred and thirty. Oh, $130,000? in ten hours. That's mm-hmm. crazy. These guys have no shame at all. And and that's just Peter Strzok deciding that he's that, that he's just going to capitalize on the, the uh, on this idea that people love him and hate Trump. That's the only thing that he's. Uh, that reason why he's in this situation where he's uh, he's doing this. So, did you remember? Did you? When I was gone. I guess I was in Italy at this time when there was the when there was the the attack or the thing in the shopping center there, and some guy parked in a. Disabled spot. They still call it a handicap. I thought you couldn't say handicapped, but now you do. This is in Florida. But so, but this you can't say handicapped. But the handicapped spots are called handicapped spots. Right. Anyway, so this was about a month ago in Florida, and there was a guy who was parked at a convenience store in a in a handicapped spot, and. Some guy decided that he was going to take it upon himself to scream at the woman who's a passenger because the guy parked, got out with his son, went into the store, into the store, and the one other guy decided he was going to go and uh, and and yell at the woman. Richard seems obsessed about the watchers. Again, it's school time. We're going to be low on watchers. Don't worry your pretty little head on Facebook watchers, buddy. Okay? But thanks for your concern. So we – this guy decides he's going to scream at these, this woman who's in the car about the fact that they're parked in a handicapped spot. So first of all uh, – that guy's a pain in the ass. You, you don't know why people are parked in a handicapped right. spot anyway. Uh, we ran into that problem one time when I, I did a story at Channel 4 about people who were parking in handicapped spaces without the placard. Sure. Or the, yeah, the placard. And, and, and the problem is, though, sometimes if you have the placard, some people have the placard, and yet they walk out of their car seemingly fine. But you never know what what kind of thing they have. They might have just gotten just gotten a pacemaker in, or they might have just gotten you know had heart surgery something. Where they're dragging their leg necessarily. Yeah. Here's here's the bottom line. It's none of your friggin' business. I wouldn't try to take it upon yourself to enforce the law, especially when it comes to people in parking spaces where they. Shouldn't be. This guy is a busybody. 
and should have just kept his fat mouth shut and or, or called the police or something uh, instead of screaming at somebody in a car, especially with their kids there and everything. It's like, you know, I get it. You're going to you're going to try to stand up for the handicap and teach a lesson. And you're going to you're going to make a, you know, do, do this or do that. And the fact of the matter is none of your friggin business. Go buy your Ben Gay and get the hell out of there. OK. But this old crab decides he's going to yell at these people. And then daddy comes out and says, and first of all, yeah, if you're parking in a handicapped spot and you're not handicapped, you're a dirt bag, right? You're a low life. I get it. But the guy comes out and the dude's like yelling at his wife. And the dude's like, what are you doing yelling yelling at my wife? And pushes the guy. Mm Mm-mm. And pushes the, the crabby old busybody down on the ground. And the crabby old busybody just happens to have a gun. And so Uh-oh. he takes the gun out of his waist band or whatever it is. And as the guy who pushed him backs up after he sees the gun, he shoots him. Wow. It's all on tape and everything else. It was originally thought to be one of these stand your ground type of affairs like oh yeah the guy was it was it's this you know florida has a stand your ground law and blah 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 but anybody who looks at the tape first of all could see that this guy wasn't standing his ground like if like if this guy had pulled out a gun after he pushed him down then you'd have an issue but if you're just pushed on the ground and you're pissed because you've been pushed on the ground that's not standing your ground when you shoot the guy who pushed you onto the ground Unless the guy's coming after you, which clearly in this case he wasn't. So it took the authorities there a month to charge this guy finally with manslaughter, which is a, which is a good charge. Right. But yeah. if you see the videotape and you see what they did there, uh, it's clearly a case where the only surprise here is that, that it took them this long to charge the guy. And, and, of course, I'm surprised, and thank goodness, I, I don't know whether this actually ever became a thing. This could have easily become a a, a white, a racial thing. Because right. the guy who shot the guy, the, the guy who was the shooter was white, and the person who was killed was black. Oh, he was killed? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was shot and killed. And so uh, the one guy is... Uh, I just call him a crabby old man, but he's 47. So. <laughs> but but the comparatively, then the other guy's 28. But I'm surprised it didn't become a big racial thing. But it, it didn't, thank goodness. And and, they, and I think they did the right thing charging the guy. Because you know, the stand-your-ground law is an interesting one, but sometimes you got to be careful with how you, you actually use it. Because uh, sometimes you are going to abuse it and just because you're angry or you lose your temper, you uh, really uh, still – that doesn't mean you're kind of standing your ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? Standing your ground doesn't mean just you can't stand the other person. That's not what that's all about. So anyway. I only stood my ground once in the last few years, and that person had to go to anger management. Really? Uh-huh. Like you had a gun? No. Oh. But he probably did. He was terrifying. Really? So what did you do when you stood your... What does that mean? 
Well, I stood my ground protecting my babies. My babies. My Yes, Eddie was in the car. He was really little. He was a baby baby. I mean, I turned into a McDonald's the wrong way. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. And what did he do? He proceeded to lay on his – so he had a big pickup truck. And I was in a parking lot that if you wanted to go into the drive-thru of McDonald's, you needed to go around the parking lot, and then you would yeah, come I've in and come into the drive-thru. It's, they're impossible to navigate but sometimes. I didn't know that because I'd never been to this McDonald's, so I turned right into the drive-thru. And by doing that, my back end was prohibiting people that were in the parking lot to – Exit. So I was I on an angle because there were other cars in front of me in the drive-thru. But I didn't know this. I'd never been. So he came up and pulled his giant Ford F-150, whatever, right up to my driver's side. So if I wanted to open my door, I wouldn't have been able to. Uh-huh. And he's laying on his horn, holding it down. It's so loud because it's right there. The language he used, the names he called me, and Trudy was screaming, terrified. Yeah. He was nuts. What nuts. is it with people in the? I, you know, that's one thing I have to tell you that I noticed, and I and I and I don't mean to be, because I, I love Americans. I mean, I, I you know, I'm very proud of America. I think we have the the best country in the world. But I have to tell you, in in Italy, you didn't see any of that kind of stuff. And you know, believe me. If there's anything that would set you up for road rage, it would be a situation like Italy where they have roundabouts and everybody is driving fast. And in in Rome, for instance, people are walking amongst cars and scooters and everything else. But everybody is kind of getting out of the way. Like you didn't have this sense that 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 like you do here. And I don't even know whether it's a St. Louis thing or what it is, but we're here where where everybody is so protective, like they act like their car or whatever they're doing or they're walking is like that this is their whole life. They're, the entirety of their self-worth is dependent on whether or not uh, they right. are uh, being passed or whatever. I mean, it just is I – mean, I've, I've been on the road before where I've seen people driving – and somebody's trying to pass them, and they're going slow. And the minute they try to pass them, these people speed up. It's like, what kind of what kind of person does that? Right, I know. Or or, or in in uh, or sometimes you're at a crosswalk, and there are people who go into the crosswalk, and they act like they've just discovered America. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. They saunter over the cross. There's nobody moving with any sense, sense of, of purpose urgency. or anything. And in fact, many people believe that. Oh, I know. I, I'm going to. I'm going to reboost my self esteem by walking slowly in a crosswalk and holding up Every, cars because right. that'll make me feel all powerful and everything else. You never saw any of that in in Italy. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's a smaller country. I get it, and it's it's less diverse, and everybody is you know. But nonetheless, for whatever reason, there was this sense of just kind of overall cooperation and something like that. And, and, it, and, it, and I think that the, the U.S. in our traffic patterns and everything else, we create frustrations for people, unfortunately. 
the, the stoplight situation in this country and in this town is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, the only thing I'll have to give uh, the people who ever designed Manchester Road. Uh, uh, you know, I will have to give them props. Whoever has timed the lights on this road, whatever else, they've done a pretty good job. You go down Manchester, you can pretty much, if you're going out west or whatever it is, mm-hmm. so sometimes I do that. I'll do that sometimes before I even hit 40 because it's actually easier to be on Manchester right. than it is to be on 40 sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the, whoever timed the lights is, 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 did a good job there. But the, but the, the incessant stoplights, stop signs everywhere – it just is – I think it drives people crazy, to uh-huh. tell you the truth. I agree. But believe me, you have somebody uh, – you don't – you get eaten alive in Italy if you're piddling around or sauntering around or for that matter even there, – there aren't a lot of people walking around in the street on their phones – or through those little narrow streets. There aren't many people on their phones there right. either. And the reason for that is because they are uh, concentrating on staying alive. You know what I mean? And that's a good thing. It is a good thing. I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't have that kind of – and the other thing is, and again, in all we do respect to our law enforcement officers, because I, I don't want this to be taken as a shot at law enforcement. The other thing is you can go on a highway there and, and, and you don't have the – or even on a or, or, or any kind of road there – you don't have these police officers like hiding behind trees and 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 other places to catch you going ten miles over the speed limit. You don't have any of that going on there either. And and believe me, when I and when I say that, I guarantee you, police officers ask any police officer out there. They do not. That's not what they got into law enforcement to do by sitting alongside of a road. Just seeing if they could bust somebody going ten miles over the speed limit. That's not why they got into law enforcement. I guarantee you. No, they and they also didn't get into law enforcement for what some of these guys are about to have to go into here in the next couple of weeks. Have you heard about this? No. Have you heard about the new cruising in our city? What is that? So everybody knows what cruising is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. Well, we have a new version of cruising in the city of St. Louis. What's Our that? new version of cruising is you cruise and you roll your window down and you just shoot your gun up in the air. Oh, for, really? Just for fun. Uh-huh. Like, like you mean like a third world like country? It's, like it's out of control. It's not just, oh, it's happened a couple of times. I mean, this is a thing right now. Where mm-hmm. is this thing happening mostly? In North City. Oh, North City. What a surprise. So uh, that's well, happening. Well, 4th District, because my husband's in the 4th. So he's getting ready to go into um, 8 p.m.s to 4 a.m.s. Along so, with some so other guys. where did this where did this uh, trend occur? I don't know, no idea. I mean, everybody knows they shoot guns off at New Year's, but I don't know what it is now with driving around and doing it. Wait one second here. Richard's prolific today on Facebook. Thank you, Richard. Richard points out that the bicycle thing is a problem. Believe me, in Italy, you wouldn't in a million years. Think about riding your stupid bike in traffic. Right. And, and I know that I'm going to make a, b- a bunch of people mad who, for whatever reason, think it's 
okay to dress up in your spandex and and ride in a in a traffic lane on Clayton Road. I I, I know you think that's groovy, but most of us think you're an a hole. I'm just telling you that that's that's drives people crazy. You have no business in a traffic lane on your bicycle. It doesn't make any sense at all. But but in Italy, you you do that one time and then you stop. Right. And the only people that I saw doing that in Italy, I saw them in one town. And they were, of course, the Dutch, which are, uh, in Europe, the people who are the most annoying are people are the Dutch usually. So you had this this little family, you know, mom, dad, a little daughter, Dutch family. son, a little Dutch family, deciding they were going to ride their bikes down a, a a village road in Italy. And I'm thinking, and they're the only ones in Italy doing that because they probably do it back at home, and that's what those that's what you know white people do. Uh, and, and so they decided that was going to be their thing, and, and they didn't last long either. They were back up on the sidewalk in no time. In fact, I was in Luca, and I uh, went for a run, left the villa, went for a run in town, and that was the last time I did that. Yeah. Because I was like, um, I'm going to get run over by a car out here. And I didn't I, that didn't bother me. It just clearly was evident that I didn't belong doing what, <laughs> doing what I was doing. It was like this was not fitting of of the of the area. All right, so where do you where does does your does this Paul know or anybody know where they get this idea to do that? Like where that came from? That the shooting outside the window. Um n- no. There doesn't have to be a reason. Well, but it, but it is but but let me ask you that. But sometimes there thing there's like a trend. Like Aiden was telling me last night that there's this Drake song, and apparently people do the Chinese fire drill to the Drake song. Oh, really? And they get out of their cars, and I I, I can't I can't figure out exactly what he was talking about. But they do that, and they get out of their cars, and they God's plan. It's not God's. No, no, it's no. not. It's not. It's a it's, different Drake song. No. Okay. It's some kind of. It's some song that he said, and then and they get out of their cars and run around the uh, or run okay. around their cars and change seats. Yeah, we, we did that when we were kids. Yeah, right. But it's but for whatever reason, this particular song. Okay. And I asked him like, is it in a music video? Is that why they do it? But what the problem is now on social media, you don't have to like see it in a music video. You, you it can be a trend in social right. media that that's what people do. But apparently, somewhere along the line, someone is. Initiated this, this, like, oh, let's shoot our guns when we're cruising. Yeah, I don't know if it's happening in other cities. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's just. I have no. I have no idea. He might. I'll ask him. I don't know. I'm surprised they're even cruising in North he's St. Louis. He should be listening right now. Maybe you could let us know. I'm. Su- I'm surprised. Paul, it must pe- be fun, but that's not. Can you? Can you tell us why you think this is happening? Uh, one of the things about it is that is that too is it is that people don't realize this when you shoot a bullet up in the air it does come down, yeah. and it can't hurt you. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and or do something, but it can't hurt you. I'm surprised though, to tell you the truth, in North St. Louis, that people cruise. 
Because because normally when you're in North St. Louis and 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 in certain areas, you really don't slow down. You kind of get your ass through a road so you don't get shot at or whatever. So normally the the op, uh, the idea is to get the hell through the t- street as opposed to just cruise down the street. So I think I got the wrong area. I think I said North City, and that's not it. Oh, Paul is not in North City. So he's in the fourth district. So I'm thinking it's got to be like the grand downtown. He's got a big territory. I mean, when they redistricted, it was huge, huge territory. Right. Like he's got locust, I think, all the way down. I mean, it. I don't know. So is so is it is it in the uh, so so well either way? If you're saying grand, I mean that's that still is near North Side, correct? Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Huh. I don't know. We'll find out more. We'll get more details. Well, thank you. We will. And we're going to take a break here. Thank you for uh, my guys over at Discovery Design, discoverydesigninc.com. Thanks for your support of Radio Free Almond. Don't forget to go to One Mattress King on Facebook. Chris Kahneman and the gang. Some great deals for you. When it comes to the least expensive, best quality mattresses, you're going to find anywhere in the land. St. Peter's is where he's at. By appointment only. Paul did chime in and say it's Broadway and Grand, huh? Uh-huh. Up and down Broadway and Forth. That's still near. That's still kind of near North Side. You weren't too far off. Yeah, because there's not a whole lot of cruising done up in Salisbury, the war zone up there. You don't really cruise down Wabada a whole lot, do you? You speed down Wabada so you don't get carjacked. Oh yeah, especially if you don't belong. But even if you do, you go fast through that whole thing. Giovanni. People are funny because they're talking about how the gravity does not exist in North St. Louis. It's an urban myth. Oh, yeah. You like this song? Oh, yeah. You like Hank Williams Jr.? Bet you're listening down that in, uh, in Ar- uh, Arkansas. Arkansas, aren't they? So we have uh, the latest specter of Robert Mueller, and apparently now he's after Roger Stone. You know who Roger Stone is? He's a guy who used to be an advisor to President Trump. And Roger Stone's a pretty interesting guy. He's been around the block. I remember meeting him at a uh, meeting him at one of the political conventions. And good guy, kind of ran afoul of a few people. I think sometimes he was something he used the and I don't know what he did. Whatever. But now apparently Mueller is looking into his private life and his private contacts and all that kind of stuff. And 
And Roger Stone's like, what is this guy doing? Why, why is this guy bothering me? And at some point, as far as I'm concerned, I do believe that if President Trump shut this thing down tomorrow, I think most of America would say, well, not most of it, but maybe at least half. Those of us who voted for President Trump would say, fine, if you haven't found anything yet, yet right. there's nothing there. Stop digging. I mean, the people who have been more exposed as being corrupt have been people who have supported Hillary Clinton, not not Donald Trump. Right. I mean, I know you have an indictment of of Manafort on a charge that normally – Authorities let go. They they haven't they haven't prosecuted a charge that they're charging him with in ages, if ever. So you have that, and then I guess you have some somebody else. Out there, but the, the people who are the most damned that we've seen so far have been Hillary Clinton, James Comey, mm-hmm. Peter Strzok, who was just. Just finally fired. Can right. you believe this guy finally. was on as long as he was? No. Andrew McCabe. James Clapper. Brennan. All these guys have been wildly discredited. And yet there's Mueller still hunting around for this Russia right. collusion. I mean, and, and it's clear that they came up with this dossier just as a pretense to, to uh, spy on President Trump. And I'll never forget when you saw the uh, when you saw the um, the first tweet that President Trump released, and he said, "You know, I uh, they're they're wiretapping me." Now it might not have been the wiretap thing, but you know, in the end, he was right. Right. He was right that they that the Obama administration was spying on him. Right. But all this stuff doesn't still keep the left and the left wing news media from trying to go back in time and trying to worship as much as they can the Barack Obama machine, the Barack Obama mojo. Yesterday you heard, and I exhaustively detailed it, the interview with Nancy Pelosi and MSNBC. It was hysterical. I loved every minute of it. (laughs) I mean, I was rolling. I love breaking that stuff down because oh. it's just as, and I didn't even get to the entirety of the of the uh, of the thing. I didn't. I, it was nine minutes, and the show ended before I got to the like the the seventh minute of it. I went back and listened to the whole thing. It was hilarious, <laughs> the amount of slurring. <laughs> yeah, disaster. But Pelosi <laughs> kept on talking about Barack Obama and 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 Mitch McConnell, and and they won't let this thing go with Obama because it's the only thing they have carrying them through the the midterms here. Hmm. So CNN has decided that they're going to do this thing called the 2000s. And so they're going to go through uh, the 2000s and beyond. And of course, they reserve their best part their best presentation for Barack Obama and if you go through this whole thing they're talking about 
the election of Barack Obama and the idea that Tea Partiers were just a bunch of whack jobs. And keep in mind, the Tea Party movement at the time, while some people kind of claimed it was more like you know Antifa, whatever, there was never a violent ev- event, never anything related to uh, – to, to any damage caused to anything. There weren't riots. I, I, I know that at one point when Sarah Palin was running, there were people who tried to like, uh, who brought like pet monkeys to a Sarah Palin event, trying to act like everybody who supported her or in the Tea Party was racist, right. but didn't turn out to be the case. But listen to how CNN describes the Barack Obama era and, 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 and how they ultimately portray the Tea Party movement. Check this out. Like a collective holding of our breath. We're only a few seconds away from the top of the hour when uh, these states will be closing. The rules are that we had to wait until all the voting had ended. And I remember at 10.59.50, my executive producer was in the air saying 10 seconds. It was an electric moment that I'll never forget. And CNN can now project that Barack Obama, 47 years old... (laughs) He will be the first African-American president of the United States. Now, keep in mind, this is only it's only 2018 and they're acting and CNN. And this is all designed, of course, uh, and timed perfectly for the midterm elections to try to pretend like the Democratic Party is still the Democratic Party of Barack Obama. And I have to at least give the Democratic Party of Barack Obama some degree of credit because back then they actually had issues. They had things they were working on. They had positions. They had – even if you didn't agree with them, they still had a message. Now they have nothing. It's just either uh, Trump is horrible. Right. Uh, and and uh, and and Trump is racist. Trump's a misogynist, and so are all of his supporters. And that's really the sum total of what they have now. Right. So what CNN is doing here is they're trying to create, they're trying to invent this phony aspect of the Democratic Party present by just simply digging up the bones of Barack Obama and presenting <laughs> them as a, a fresh body. Right. And it's like this is exactly what they're doing in the run-up to the, to, the, to the midterms because they have nothing. And you heard that when we were detailing the Nancy Pelosi interview yesterday. But then they start to get into the whole protest, the, 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 the Tea Party protests and those kind of things, which, by the way, were legit peaceful protests. If, if anybody can find any element of the Tea Party movement that wound up being violent – Feel free to go ahead right. and, and, and post it. <laughs> I mean, they're acting as if this is like the 1940s. That's how far away we're supposed to believe 2008 was. It was 10 years ago. All right. It was 10 years ago, people. This isn't ancient history. And this is solely designed to be a a commercial for the for the Democratic Party by simply 
disguising this, disguising this as some kind of documentary about the 2000s. For those who lived through segregation, who lived through the civil rights era, it felt like the fulfillment of everything they thought the country could be. <laughs> I mean, they, they have so nothing that the more they can just simply show us video of President Obama and of his family walking on this stage of the election. Now, I have to admit, you know, you, you, you can't deny that these guys had one hell of a movement going. I mean, this whole Barack oh. Obama thing, when, when I, I'll never forget when I went to Des Moines, Iowa and for the, uh, for the little primaries they have there. Mm-hmm. The first one in 2008 and Iowa is, is always, you know, is always the big, the big caucus. one, right? You have the new, new, new Hampshire primary and the Iowa caucus. Those are always the things that tell us what exactly is going to go on. Right. So the, uh, I'm, I'm there and it's in 2008 and Barack Obama wins the democratic side of the Iowa caucus. Mm-hmm. And Mike Huckabee wins the Republican Iowa caucus. And Huckabee has a – and I'm there and I go to each one of these. Huckabee has a a party, a victory party in some kind of side ballroom at a Hilton Hotel in Des Moines. And – I'm there, and I basically can just simply walk through uh, and, and even go right up to Mike Huckabee. Right. It, it's uh-huh. it's there. There are like thirty people at this thing. They're all happy, right? But there are like thirty people at the thing, and it's, and it's Mike Huckabee, who, by the way, I always have liked. I've always liked him and, and thought he was a good guy. Across town, Barack Obama has they've rented out the High V Center. Which is their oh, premier yeah. grocer and convention convention center oh, there? But that yeah. But the High V Center is like uh, the Scott Trade Center yes. here. They've rented that thing out, and I'm go over there, and there Their are thousands <laughs> of people at this thing, and that's and that's the first that's the first uh, that's the first caucus, the first thing uh-huh. that that occurs in the presidential election, and at that point. I knew, knew that this thing is over, mm-hmm. that there was no way that Barack Obama was going to lose this thing. And that was the first telltale sign that, that, that he was going to – this was going to be an indestructible campaign and an indestructible movement. And, you know, and he was having rallies. And even though, yeah, sometimes you'd have you know, the, the, the band Bruce Springsteen would be playing – but you were still getting 20,000 people, 10,000 people at some of these events. It was a pretty big deal. And you could tell the writing was on the wall there. There was no – nothing – there was not a chance in hell this guy was going to lose. And, and oddly enough, it's the same thing we saw with President Trump but that nobody paid attention to. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, oh, come on. Those are just – that's just baloney. Those are, they're, still, they're still faking audience numbers for him. But there was no denying that that 
and I'll never forget seeing him at the Peabody Center here, uh, Peabody Opera House when he was here. And everywhere he went, he had people who were out in force and just absolutely just just coming out by the thousands. It was amazing for President Trump. That's when you knew he was going to be – he was going to be something. Mm-hmm. But you have to give, give these guys credit. Back in the day, they had, they had a movement going on. They had a young, you know, upstart candidate. They kind of just add water, and you had your golden boy, and boom, they were able to, they were able to do it. In 2012, however, I was a little surprised that Romney lost that, but since Romney's a loser, that doesn't surprise me. But I wasn't surprised that McCain uh, lost. I was not either. And then he blamed Sarah Palin right. for it. But believe me, Sarah, P- it would have been the drubbing of the century right. had Sarah Palin <laughs> not been on that ticket. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So anyway, it's no wonder that the media is trying to harken back to those days when, when, when the Democratic Party actually had some swagger and some energy. Mm-hmm. Which it doesn't right now. I don't care what you say about this Casio Cortez or whatever her name is, who's dumb as a bag of hair anyway, and didn't actually even know Nancy Pelosi. By the way, was the minority <laughs> leader, so she's you know. But that's where they're investing in. But they don't have any. They don't have a message. They have to actually. Uh, the the one thing they're clinging to is someone who has a message that actually they're delivering in Venezuela, not in the U.S. Right. And that's for more socialism. But anyway, you can hardly blame them for replaying. When something seems impossible and suddenly it's achieved, it's, it's sort of beyond words. Obama believed he'll somehow be able to reach across the aisle. But this kind of hope and change and optimism that had made this such an inspiring campaign. Was destroyed by white people. <laughs> right? Is that what's coming here? Was destroyed by the white devil runs up against the reality of politics in 2009 when he takes office. President Obama is incredibly ambitious, and he still sees that 2009 is a unique moment. But Whitey is about to ruin it. And you notice yesterday when Nancy Pelosi decided she was going to go back to the Mitch McConnell is a bad guy well, and and she brought up Obama too about how he said he hopes Obama, the uh, Obama presidency fails. And it's kind of like, let's not be on the realm of comprehension that another party doesn't want the other party to succeed. It's kind of like, uh, it doesn't surprise me, right? Who recently said that they wish that uh, they'd love to see us go into a recession? Is that Bill oh, Maher? That was Bill, Bill Maher. Maher. Yeah. Who's coming to Kansas City, Trump by the way. believes that Republicans will vote with him on something that's reasonable, that if he compromises, they will as well. But over the course of the next few months, it turns into a terrible political challenge. Wait, okay, so, so here's the thing, though. How did Barack Obama believe, even though, even as he was babbling on about how uh, elections have consequences, remember? And he said, I won, and get, get over it, and get with it, and you know, deal with that, that kind of thing. How is it that now it's the Republicans' fault that they didn't just simply bow down to the newborn king and pass all of his crazy legislation? Keep in mind, the idea of Obamacare was a pretty big-ass deal. That was a big change. It was a huge change in this country. It's a huge transformation of the federal government. 
and 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 it was a tax and I mean it was a pretty big deal. It wasn't something that Republicans were going, oh yeah, that's a good idea. We'll we'll go through Huge. with it now. And a lie. Uh yes. Speaks as one. That we're all one thing. What we really are is a mass of reactions. We're always reacting to the last thing that happened. So if the country goes left, you can be damn sure it's gonna go right. And if the country is looking good for rich people one day, well then the poor people are gonna hate that and get angry. If we think that we're past race, well racism will come right back. Our pendulum swings, and in the long run, we make progress, but it can be pretty ugly to watch. Yeah. So they are basically showing pictures of the Tea Party and, and making the Tea Party out to be, you know, some kind of uh, horrible operation and just a bunch of uh, obstructionists and everything else. And the only difference this time around, Gia, is going to be that the pendulum is probably not going to swing. Right. And it's going to be if, if the Democrats lose, do not get the takeover of the House – that they think they're going to get and they're never going to they're never going to take over the senate if if they don't do that in this midterm election it will be quite possibly the fall of the democratic party because what they will have achieved by not achieving will be something that no other opposition party has ever done and that is lose in an off-year midterm election. Every single election we've had of recent modern memory that has taken place two years after one party takes over has been followed by the other party taking over the House. Every time in, in modern history. Now, the fact of the matter is that historical run is in question. Mm-hmm. And so Nancy Pelosi, when she's, when, when she's talking about the, the possibility of, of being a, the, the next, the, the next house speaker, that there's this assumption that somehow that there's going to be even some kind of choice to have to be made about who will be the next house speaker from the democratic party. Cause these guys are assuming they, they have a, they're going to win. NBC News has a story about all the, the Democrats who are running who are running for election this year. Um, they interviewed, you, see, you see it there, Democrats opposing Pelosi. And these are the 51 people who were surveyed who are candidates. 42 of them are not Democratic nominees. Nine of them are incumbents who have said that they will not support you <laughs> in the run for speaker. Now, see, here's Why the thing. This is, these guys, keep in mind. These are individuals who are already assuming somehow that there's going to be some kind of confab where they're having to choose a new Democrat House Speaker. Right. And I'm telling you that that ultimately what we're going to have to see for that to happen is monkeys flying directly out of the asses of (laughs) – Anybody who votes Democrat, <laughs> I, because now I might be wrong, and I and I and I've been wrong before. I was wrong about Wesley Bell. Oof. Wow, I, I thought I, wow. I thought I uh, went, went yeah because I, I made a mockery of Wesley Bell's candidacy and said there's no friggin' way 
that that he's going to win. I don't think that would have happened had we had an open ballot. Like an open primary, you yeah. mean? Yep. I don't think that would have happened with Bob. Well, I agree because I, I think that this is going to be troublesome. Now, I have interviewed Wesley Bell before when he was in Ferguson. And I don't think the guy is a lunatic by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, man, I'm going to pull my plug out here and put it in my other computer. I'm going to get some music here. Other plug. Uh, and so, yeah, here you go, buddy. I, I actually said at the outset that this idea of Wesley Bell uh, being the next prosecutor was ridiculous, even though I had interviewed him before. And he's not a kook by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, of all the Black Lives Mattering people up there, he's probably the least offensive when it comes to just kind of uh, being out there. Uh, he just seemed, as, as a councilman there in Ferguson, he seemed a, a little more lucid and higher IQ than most of the people up there. But he's never prosecuted a case in his lifetime. He's never actually even been in a courtroom as far as I, as far as I know in terms of uh, actually prosecuting any kind of case whatsoever. And so the idea that he's going to be the prosecuting attorney for St. Louis County is ridiculous. I mean, you can't you can't run the prosecutor's office like Acorn. It, it, you it, it's you, you can't it's not run by clipboard. You actually have to have some experience and some. You, you can't basically socially engineer the prosecuting attorney's office. And he's already indicated it. Well, you know, we might do this with this. I mean, I welcome anybody welcomes new ideas when it comes to uh, law enforcement. I know we've had the judicial reform issue before us and everything else. But boy, this is uh, this is worrisome. Uh, uh, to, I'm sorry. For me, it's beyond worrisome. It's terrifying. It's deeply terrifying and disturbing to me. Yeah. Well, there was a problem already in the prosecutor's office because there was a sense that Bob McCullough sometimes wasn't issuing warrants the way at the level that he should. There was already a level of pressure on that office from the community to lay back a little bit on some of their enforcement of the law. And I think McCullough felt that pressure and and there was a there was a, a a sense that and that's the worst scenario you can get is when you have the public or the mob dictating justice because it never works out because what happens is you either intimidate people to the point where they're actually there's no justice at all and I think you've you've ha- had a situation even with law enforcement where there's a certain level of de-policing that has gone on because guys are afraid they're going to lose their careers if they if they even chase somebody for crying out loud. Yep. So that's I mean, I, I, listen, I, I don't want to sit here and 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 assume that 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 Wesley Bell is going to be 
I, I don't I don't want I want to be fair about the matter. But in being fair, I can I can say, and you can too, that it's concerning. Yes. Very much so. It is. Now, keep in mind, uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the next prosecuting attorney of St. Louis County. Is it? No. Because there still might be somebody out there who could come come well, forward and run in November. Please, come on. Where are you? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you? No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Although from I'm the, about as experienced. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Discovery Design Studio. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Thank you, Rick, Jerry, and the rest of the gang over there. Thank you to guys over at uh, Arrowhead Building Supply, too, because uh, they're helping me get some of the uh, material for the new studio that we're going to be having by probably, I don't know, we're looking at the, maybe the end of the month. I'm not going to make any promises, but that's when, gee, I hope we, we're going to have uh, some... Phone lines in uh-huh. so people can call into the show. When is that coming? That's going to come with a new studio. Oh, cool. And we are getting there. I'm trying to also get a situation where, because we're so visual now, the stream is great. There are a lot of people who listen on the stream, and especially as school starts, Facebook dwindles, stream increases. But still, people go back and they watch the show. Like, people now can experience Radio Free Allman where you can, we, you can look at the video I'm playing or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but some people watch the show or can't get to the show in the morning and then ultimately will look at it like later in the afternoon. Right. So it's kind of like they can pick and choose when they want to watch right. it. Like you watched part of it. I tried to watch it live in Arkansas, but I was having trouble. So sometimes I wouldn't be able to get to some of it until later. Yeah. And then you can you can forward to where you want to be. You can yeah. move your... I, I want to be at one hour, 34 minutes <laughs> in. and the, Right, you know. right. Yeah. Skip over this part and or go to that part. If you're unwinding and going to bed and you want to watch, you want to go to sleep to the lullaby of Jamie Allman <laughs> doing Nancy Pelosi. There I mean, you go. <laughs> right on. Yeah, but that's, so so it's become more user friendly, and and for that matter too. That's why uh, my we're we're basically uh, yeah we can, Dan we can we can we can catalog we can do streaming we can catalog the streaming. And we we can even find out who actually is right. listening. We can we can do demographics and everything else. So we have uh, we have a lot of people on the stream. Let's put it this way: back in the day, and this is this is this doesn't make the company I'm suing very happy, but because it just only only fuels their fire for the fact that uh, that I'm competing with them but 
the like for instance in in at ninety seven one the total listenership for a week let's say was about fifty five sixty thousand. I know your new numbers, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty much at that, and and that's without everybody having access. There are a lot of people I know who have uh, the flip phone still, right? So so they don't even they don't, they, they don't even they can't get the app, right? And they're not on Facebook. Yep. So th- so so those numbers are as good, if not better, as they were over at the dinosaur radio station. And, and that's with a lot of people not even able to access it. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah. And th- that's, what, that's a situation where you really have to uh, to know that, 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 that the the, the the Radio Free Elm and the, that brand now is a lot more user friendly and accessible and everything else, and you can you yeah. can be tap into it at any time. And and some people are like, well, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out like, do, so do you, can I just turn on the turn it on? I go, yeah, you can just turn it on. You just have the you have the app, and then you uh, then then you just you just turn it on. Uh huh. And you can Bluetooth it. It's just like anything else. Can you ever be satellite? Can RFA go, or is that? Well, technically, we are satellite because okay. it's a stream. Okay. It's hard to explain because, of the, and then people think, well, are you doing a podcast? It's like, well, yeah, I am. Like, if you go to the podcast mode, all the shows are on podcast. Right. right. So, what I'm doing now is not a podcast. It is a live stream show. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to get it right. all through the, right. you know. And then the Facebook stream. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's pretty kind of, it's pretty incredible how far, far it goes. But still, even that's without a lot of people even tuning Tune in, in that I know. I could, I could talk to them out in these, at these events. Well, I had to help my mom and her generation do it, like get it. Uh-huh. I had to get it going for them. Yeah. And now they get it, but it takes somebody. So you should tell all your listeners to tell their, you know, maybe older folks that love to listen to A lot to of them Jamie, are, yeah. How they can go about doing it. If, even if they have a computer at home, they can listen on a computer. They don't have to have a phone. Right. So if you're home in the morning drinking your coffee, you can listen from your computer. It doesn't right. just have to be a phone or an iPad if you don't have a smartphone. Yeah. 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 And if even whether you have an Android or a... Or a or a iPhone. Yeah, you can do it on both. Yeah, Google, Google Play, right? Yeah, Google Play, whatever those are. So I don't know much about that. You have an Android and iPhone. iPhone. No, oh. but Paul has an Android, and he has the app, right? Uh huh. Easy to get. You see this story here? It's very disturbing. And again, I'm I you know. Let me ask you this. What do you think about food stamps? What do I think about food stamps? Yes. Um, 
Well, I think that obviously some people need them yes. to eat and okay. take care of their families. Uh, Vicky's wondering if there's a way to listen. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Gia. Uh, if, if, there's a, um, if there's a way to listen without using data, yes. Uh, because, uh, Matt, can you explain? Matt, is there a way for you to explain this? Because, I mean, Ryan knows, and I just never know how to explain this. Because if you're on a Wi Fi network, you're not using data. Is that correct, Matt? People are wondering, if, if, how do they not use data? Because a lot of people think that, think that it's eating up data. First of all, it, it can't possibly be eating up a lot of data. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't do not that. Not a lot, no. Because uh, Facebook restricts you to a 720 stream. So it's not going to be like a big HD, even 1080 stream that you would be used to on, Facebook, or on YouTube. So if you're on Wi-Fi, you're not using any data at all. Right. So like, you wouldn't be using any cellular data if you're on a Wi-Fi connection. Um, sans that if you're out roaming, you know, the streets or whatever, and you're not on a Wi-Fi connection, then you do some data. Right. But again, Facebook doesn't really pull as much data because it's a 720p stream. Uh-huh. So it's a, it's, that's why their stream level is lower. I got you. Save See, data. it's that simple people. That's it. That's how that's, uh, yeah, yeah. so thank you, buddy. Appreciate that, Matt. So bottom line is most of you are using uh, if you're roaming or doing whatever, then you're using data. But for the most part, if you're a, uh, at a Wi-Fi collection, uh, connection or whatever, you're not using data. I used a lot of data in, in uh, Arkansas. Yeah, right. But exactly. Yeah, I was like on extended LTE, blah, blah. I don't know. Well, and I used data when I was in Italy. Uh, a lot of that too because I, I did the, uh, I did the, the roaming data. Uh-huh. I need to turn that off. <laughs> I was wondering why my why I got to notice that my data was being eaten up. Uh, so that that's that's where uh, that that's so 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 yeah it's it's people it, but you but it's not automatic that you're going to eat up a lot of data when, when you're when you're using the, the, this because if you're if you're connected to Wi-Fi you're fine right sometimes it's going to be in your house sometimes it might even be in your car. Some people have Wi-Fi in their cars, mm-hmm. uh, or sometimes it's going to be at your office or wherever you happen right. to be. But there will be a certain level of data use. But even still, even when you're using data, it doesn't eat up that much data, right? Unless you're really on a a real slim kind of thing. I, I don't, I don't know, but generally it shouldn't eat up. Anyway, back to food stamps. So the food stamp program, to me, uh, I, I know there are a lot of people who need food stamps. And I know I know people who have used food stamps, and, and, and they've gotten food stamps, and it has gotten them kind of from A to B when they are in particular times of struggle to a certain degree. Uh, and there are people who have lost their jobs, or who have had, you know, some some severe, you know, medical bill. I, just, I don't know some some kind of outlay that you 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 had to. Uh, you had to deal with, and and, I, and so the food stamp program to me has always been one welfare program, so to speak, that I could always seemingly get behind. Mm-hmm. And so, so back in the day, like for instance, when Republicans would always kind of go after the food stamp program, and you know, food stamps are you know that that to me was more of a of low hanging fruit. Now, keep in mind, there are people who abuse them. Mm-hmm. I know people have abused WIC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or the, what they'll do is they'll sell food stamps mm-hmm. to get cash so they can buy 
things you shouldn't have right. to, but you shouldn't buy with food, food stamps. stamps. So, so there, I know that there's a certain level of fraud that goes on mm-hmm. out there. But I also know there's a, there are a lot of people who use um, food stamps uh, for the things that they need. The things that they need. Right. But I have to wonder whether or not people who have just simply teamed over our borders or whatever, and I guess for the lack of a better term, you call them refugees. I'm not quite sure the food stamp program was designed that when you come here, that U.S. taxpayers were were obligated to support you financially. Right. Like, like I know, for instance, I don't know when you're well, you're Italian, right? Yes. Of course. Sicilian, remember? Sicilian, yeah. <laughs> so you guys came. Uh, maybe your family came. I know on my wife's side, Andrea's side, everybody kind of came in the twenties. So yes, my my uh, great aunts. Uh, and their mother, our first gen, are the generation that came. So no, actually, grandma came earlier than the twenties. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, but not by much. She came in. Uh, let's see. I'd have to. Well, we're on the hill here, uh, and a lot of Italians came around here, uh-huh. and they came here and they uh, settled on the hill. And when the Italians came here, they either sank or swam. You either opened up a grocery store. Part of the reason why you have so many great restaurants down here, you have so many great grocers down here, and people doing this and people doing that is because they came here and they didn't have food stamps. They, they 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 didn't receive government assistance when they came here. When you when you came to the United States, and even then, surprise, you know, uh, and I'm glad the United States didn't have an income requirement when you when you came to Ellis Island or you came from New Orleans or whatever the two places the two open doors. Yeah. You didn't have they didn't have an income standard like yeah. oh say Mexico has. Like if you're going to go to Mexico and we, you would want to become a Mexican citizen, which I'm sure all of you are pondering at this point now, considering what a lovely country it is, that you, that you – if you go to Mexico, you have to show them that you have a job, that you're making a certain level of income. And on top of that, you have to show them what you're going to do to improve their country, which was you know basically – nothing of the requirement that, that the United States made of anybody coming over here back in the day. But they didn't receive public assistance when, when they came over here. Right. You, you, that, that's why you have so many of these great businesses that you see now, even to this day, whether it be the Germans or the Italians or what have you, uh, or, or the Irish or whatever, who, who uh, started businesses. That's yep. what you did. Or, or you didn't survive. Yep. And oftentimes, everybody in the family worked in the business. But now it turns out, uh, this is according to our, our own figures here from, from the Office of Refugee Resettlement. And this is not designed to make you all angry at refugees or whatever else. And it's not xenophobic. It's not anything else. But it says more than half of the annual inflow of foreign refugees arriving in the U.S. are on food stamps. I'm thinking, okay, so 
let's just say you come here for a better opportunity. Uh, is that is that uh, wh- why is the opportunity coming in the form of just simply government assistance, where no one else is just because they exist getting government assistance? The, 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 there are people who have to kind of like prove their mettle, and, and, and it's not easy to, to get into the food stamp program either. For I bet you there are a lot of Americans out there who would tell you that they had a hard time getting food stamps because of a certain income level or uh, they, had, they had some money then, they don't have it now, you know, that right. kind of thing. It's, right. not, it's not easy. So since 2008, the U.S. has permanently resettled more than 1.7 million foreign nationals and refugees through a variety of humanitarian programs like the Special Immigrant Juveniles and the Nicaraguan Adjustment and Central American Relief Act. This is a foreign population larger than Philadelphia. An annual report by the Office of Refugee Resettlement was analyzed by the folks over there at the Center for Immigration Studies, and this is according to Breitbart here, which uh, the analysts revealed that about 56% of households headed by foreign refugees who arrived in the U.S. between 2011 and 2015 are using taxpayer-funded food stamps. Nearly 30% of refugees received cash welfare of some sort, while 34% of refugees 18 years old or older said they had no health insurance. Of the refugees who said they did not have health insurance, about half of them said they were either on Medicaid or refugee medical assistance, both of which are taxpayer-funded. And you think, well, uh, these people who were getting over here, they, like, like, like they talked about with the, with the foreign visa program and everything else, they're the best and the brightest. Well, turns out that the education levels of foreign refugees coming to the U.S. are also remarkably low. Half of the refugees 25 years or older say that they did not have a high school diploma before arriving in the U.S., uh, Patrick Lee, who's uh, said Pat, uh, President Trump's administration has historically reduced the annual inflow of foreign refugees. Under Trump's America First agenda, the U.S. is on pace to accept less than 23,000 refugees for the fiscal year 2018. That would be the lowest yearly refugee admission in three decades. Good. Precisely. Good. Because because what what what, what we what we've turned into is not a nation where we are creating these grand opportunities for people who are refugees, Uh, we are creating a separate ultimate welfare state. Correct. Where there there are, and I I hope this isn't the case, but there might be stories out there that tell you that, that, and show you, that there are Americans who are busting their rear ends just to just to be able to get welfare. I mean there are people it, it's not uh, as 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 easy as you might think that it is. It's really not that super easy as an American to get on the welfare rules or to get uh food stamps. And that's necessarily so 
because people want to give you an incentive to work and that kind of thing. Uh, and and, and it, we're trying to get rid of this idea that there are people who say, well, who, don't, who decide they don't want to get a job. They, want to, they don't want to take a job because they're making more on public assistance. That's, that's just not the way to do it. That's not cruel and unusual. That's just as a situation where we are, you know, uh, wanting to just stop that kind of right. math. Yep. So we're trying in this country to, to bring back manufacturing and to do all this kind of stuff uh, and, and, and make jobs and make opportunities. But at the same time, all we're d- then at the same time before this, we're just having people come in here and then setting them up with housing and, and a, and a check every every month, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's that's not progressive by any stretch of the imagination. That's that's not. And then, of course, what happens is they become they're refugees. I'm sure that they ultimately become, I guess, citizens at some point, and then they become voters. And, and guess who they vote for? Right. Which is which is which is, in my opinion, although boy, you'd have to really be. Uh, it's kind of a cynic to believe this, but I kind of do believe this. I'm not very a cynical person by nature, but if I didn't know any better, I would think that this whole Nicaraguan adjustment, Central American Relief Act, blah, 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 was all kind of a concoction to just simply import a bunch of people who you can, you can make Buy dependent on you, and then, you, then they become automatically you. right. your, your voters. Yep. I don't know if that's cynical. It might be realistic. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you're you're probably right about that too. But I but I have to tell you though, when it comes to some of this stuff, it sounds like you're being mean. But the reality is, at some point, we don't want to become a country where where it's a dumping ground for people who don't have educations. And, 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 and there's no hope in terms of them getting them at this point. And they don't have jobs. And, 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 they're, not, and they're not being expected to even speak the language for crying out loud. And, and to me, that's not humane. And, and, and that's why I think that our, that, our, uh, that our current immigration policy is inhumane. Because all we're doing is we're bringing people here. We're setting up separate, separate subcultures for them. Uh, they, they're, they're only, they're only uh, tied to this country is a paycheck. There's, there's no requirement that they learn English. And, they, and many of them won't even call the police if in, in the sad case that they might be attacked or whatever uh, they, they, because they, they're illegal. And so the idea that somehow the Catholic Church is humane because they're harboring them or that the mayor of San Francisco is humane because he's created a sanctuary city, these people actually to me are amoral, not moral, and are inhumane, not humane. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And then these people are raising children in this environment as well. Right. So how is that how is that progress when you just have this separate group of people who you just, you know, and even President Obama like, who are we going to have clean the hotel rooms? Who's going to cook in the restaurants? It's like, wait a minute. What is that is that your 
your great society vision is just simply having a bunch of people who just nod and say hello and pick up a washcloth or a frying pan? I'll tell you, you know, I, I told you about my neighbors. They blow my mind. They blow my mind. You know, the Vietnamese nail salons in this country, what those people have done, they're genius. And they work their rear ends off. Have you ever been in one? I have. Okay. They are nonstop all day, every day. My neighbors work Monday through Sunday. They cut their grass at 9 o'clock at night. They cook huge meals for families. They bring food over to me. They are tireless, tireless. They make me feel, I feel like a lazy person. My husband feels like a lazy person. And we work, we think we work hard. They have children. They are, they pay cash. They send money home to their families. They're unbelievable to me. Well, they, they, they you know, what's interesting too is, and they, and they, they will, and the only reason I've actually been in one is because they have a, there's one next to uh, the Gulf Shores Restaurant and Grill right there in Olive. Mm-hmm. There's a little nail place there. And I happened to be there once with, with, with Harry, you know, we walked out and there are, some, there are people waving at me. Come in. Come in. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not getting my nails done. That's your you know, foot massage. I'm like, I, I don't want. I don't do that kind of stuff. But, but thank you anyway. But they 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 wanted me to come in and sit, look at this place. I don't know why they picked on me, but they were like, you know. And, and but I went in there, and it's like they're, they're like these. It's lined with these comfortable chairs, and you know, uh, there must be twenty people in there. And uh, you know, in terms of working there. Mm-hmm. And you know they take very good pride in, pride in it. Why is it, by the way? And and meanwhile, you know we make it great for them. And then on the north side, you've got a bunch of hair braiders, black people who want to make a, a cosmetics business, hair braiders. And what does our government do? Get in their way. Yep. Sorry, no. You you have to have a cosmetology license to hair braid. I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, that's how we—that's how we treat our own uh-huh. our own people. Right. Like, 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 hair braiding is a is like a new thing. Uh, well, relatively new thing, but it's a cultural thing. And in the black community, it's been one of the ways that some some individuals have started their own businesses and their and it's and their hair braiding businesses. Then it turns out that that. Uh, and this was the late one, a controversy this year, where they had a, uh, they they have a, they have the, the hair braiders have had to fight uh, the government and all these other cosmetologists who are trying to get in the way of them uh, because they they believe that you must go to cosmetology school or have a cosmetology license or whatever to uh, to to hair braid. It's insane. And I don't know what the outcome ultimately was. I think the hair braiders won eventually. But I remember getting – somebody was getting in my face and, and, and maybe, Vicky, you know um, – well, I mean, Vicky's saying I'm wrong on it. It's not – it's relatively new as a, as a business phenomenon, which is, which is why it became a, an issue that the cosmetology board had to ultimately deal with because there were a lot of them popping up. That's what I mean by relatively new. There were people who actually going into the, the, the that was their business. And then somebody got in my face about it and who was uh, in cosmetology and said, yeah, but we have to go to school 
to get all this training and all this kind of stuff. And I go, well, that's a racket to me. The whole co- first of all, uh, we have in the in the and, and I've done this before where we've uh, if you go down to the, the state of Missouri and the yeah Vicky says they didn't win. Okay, well that's sad. That's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah, I don't even think cosmetologists ought to have a cosmetology license. So the, you're not you're you're not speaking to the to the right person on this level, but. You go down to the state of Missouri and you look at their Department of Economic Development and you have you have uh, department after department, these boards that license people. Now, I understand that, you know, for instance, you'd want to have a uh, a uh, you'd want to have like a like the real estate industry. I, I understand you want to have a certain level of regulation of the real estate in- industry right. to a certain degree. I don't know why, but I guess it's, it sounds right. And, and like for or doctors, you know, uh, that 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 you know uh, have a uh, you, you know, like a licensing board, like the the board of. Uh, Medical arts or whatever right. the hell it is, and they they have to oversee people. But why you have to have a barber board, a state barber board, or even for that matter, a, a cosmetology board or whatever? And Vicky says, "Well, you can pass diseases." Well, you uh, know what? Once you get a disease, you never go back to the place, right? My mom's a cosmetologist, so I... would she agree or disagree? Well, she would disagree with you. Why? Well, there are a lot of chemicals involved, like when you use permanent wave solution or if you use certain – I mean, they. my mom actually was in the hospital – not in the hospital permanently, but years ago, a permanent wave blew up in her face. Her eyes were all – she had to – I mean, there are reasons for health department standards and, you know, uh, cleanliness and all, all of that. That all has to be regulated. You only have a blow up in your face once, then you don't go back there. <laughs> that business doesn't last long. It, it's a natural selection issue. <laughs> Listen, I don't know one woman that wants to go to a salon where someone doesn't have their license. Oh, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure. But, but what, what exactly is like, like for instance, right now though, and here's the, here's the, here's the skinny on this though. The cosmetology schools are the ones making the most amount of, of money off this whole deal. They are. So, so, so I understand. And so I get it that you want to be reviewed or you need to be reviewed for cleanliness, all that kind of thing. But is there really a need to have to go through the thousands and thousands of dollars you have to spend to get your cosmetology license? Vicki, you'll have to answer that. I'm not a cosmetologist. I, you know, I, well, your mom is one. You know, she threatened to break my arms and legs if I ever decided to be one. <laughs> or did she really? She did. Now, you guys, listen, you guys who know more than I do about this, I, I'm willing to just simply say, hey, you know, um, I know what you mean. You know, and, and because, because, and here's the other thing. To, to you folks, like for instance, uh, Connie has been a cosmetologist for 20 years. For you folks who have been in the business for a long time, the worst possible scenario for you is to have a bunch of hacks out there who hurt somebody. And then people don't ever go to any cosmetologist. So I understand from a professional standpoint, right. uh, you it's 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 it, you want a you want your profession to stay professional. 
because the more hacks there are out there, the worse it gets for you. It's kind of like, you know, uh, lawyers, you know, lawyers who have when there are bad lawyers out there, it reflects on the entire industry or when there are idiot broadcasters out there, it reflects on the entire industry. So I, I understand that. But let my hair braiders go, people. <laughs> give the give 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 hair well, braiders a chance. Can, here's what I can't figure out. Make America hair braiding again. Why can't why do you have to have a shop? Open your house. Come on in, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a way around that. Well, oh, oh, it's like but, it's like people at salons, people who work at salons where they pay rent or they have a percentage that is taken out of their income to use a station or have a space, you know, and you have good friends in your life. You've got your, your best friend and her children and, you know, you open up your doors, they come to your house and you do their hair. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe the, the happy medium is this. You, you, I, I think we can agree that there's a little too much regulation of, of, of everything, Right. To the point where uh, if you, like, for instance, do want to have a hair braiding shop, you suddenly have to go through this rigmarole of getting some kind of license. And, and, and to me, it's, it's, stifling, it's stifling independence. It's stifling small business. And I think there are a lot of things we can do. Maybe cosmetology isn't the first place to stop. But at least you need to get the discussion going about – just go down to the Department of Economic Development and look at all the the boards and the regulations and the this and the that. Ask Dave MacArthur what it's like to build a bakery out uh, what to build a bakery out in uh, out in uh, in West County that, that MacArthur's bakery tried to do. Mm-hmm. You you should have seen the kind of crap that Dave MacArthur went through. And it would, whether it be the sprinkler system or – I mean it was just – it was ridiculous. It got to the point where they almost didn't even open the place because, uh, because you, you had to go uh, through all these different machinations to just open up with, with regarding your venting or whether it be your sprinklers or whatever. I mean this or that. You know, and, and, and then we have people who – are now trying to ban smoking. I mean, it's just like at some point, why don't we make it easy for people to, to, to do good things and to create their own businesses and start their own businesses and make a living for their families. And within reason, I mean, like I understand, yeah, with Vicky and, and these five folks, yeah, you don't want, you know, your face being melted <laughs> off when you're getting a perm. I get it. Your face melted off. <laughs> Well, that's what you said happened to your mother. Or no, eyes. Well, you your people, eyes melting. You can off. cause blindness. Yeah, yeah. And Amy, Amy points out she's in favor of smart regulation, not overregulation. I think there's a difference, and I yes. think there, there's a. It's worthy to to look into it. And also, like, like, let like, patrons make their own choices. Right. That's true. You know, if I want to go into a salon and take my chances with somebody that doesn't have a license because I hear they have a great reputation or they do a good job. I can go in there. If I want to go into a restaurant where the owners have decided we're a smoking restaurant and I want to, you know, go into that restaurant because I love their food and I can get past the smoke, that's my choice. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's put it this way. 
you're a hair braider, and it's and it's a problem, and 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 you need to be. There's a there, and it's not. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's see. There's no reason you need to do pin curls for some jackass in Jeffersonville, <laughs> braid shop. I got you, Connie. Um, but l- let's put it this way: we, the, our level of acceptability when it comes to cleanliness and everything else varies. Okay, how many times have you been sitting at a bar? And you watch the bartender, the way they clean glasses. Uh-huh. All right? And there's nobody taking – there's nobody – like when I worked at the Schnook Station restaurant when I was a dishwasher, it was the last time I ever washed dishes with any uh, – in any professional sense, if you want to call it that. <laughs> the Schnook Station restaurant, and we would we'd bring – we'd bust the tables. We'd bring those rascals in. We'd put them into this uh, box – that had a 2,000 degree water temperature or whatever it was. Uh, we'd we, first we'd spray him down with some, you know, fire hose like pressure hose. Then we'd put it into this box, turn that baby on, and it was 2,000 degrees. And then we put the things back out in the uh, in the restaurant. But at a bar, have you ever seen the the, the way they turn glasses around? I've d- I've done it. Yeah. You know, you do the. That's not washing a glass. Rinse, 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 done. Right. That's not washing a glass. I've seen it done a million times, and yet I still drink out of the glasses. Yeah. And there's no way you're cleaning that glass. No. There's no way you're cleaning it. Not like you are in a high temperature dishwasher, you know. Right. There's no way you're cleaning that glass by doing like a little. Meek little pendulum <laughs> swing of the thing through through, through, through some hot Filthy water, water. That's, that's been sitting there for the last day and a half anyway. <laughs> There's no way, but yet you still sit there at the bar and drink out of those glasses, don't you? Oh yeah. And then sometimes there's a there's a uh, there, there's a uh, lipstick oh, mark yeah. on your mark. wine glass. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You send it back. Do you, do you go? Do you go down to the state board of wine glass operations and report them? No, you're just like, okay, try again. So sometimes you know there's a level of tolerance that we there's there's a way we can just kind of put up with stuff because believe me, uh, you want that gin and tonic, you're going to have that gin and tonic. And if you're desperate enough, sometimes you'll just take your bar napkin and wipe the lipstick off yourself. Right, right. <laughs> and then go to the other side. Right. You were going to call Doug Giles. Where, where, oh, damn it. I forgot about that. Crap. I just realized what time it was. Oh, I got to get a hold of it. I got to, now I got to, damn it. And now I got to, I forgot to call him. Crap. I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to tell him Gia. And I have to go meet my priest. Did you know that? Tell him Gia was talking so much I couldn't. Blame me. Sorry, Doug. Um, yeah. Uh, what what what, do you, what can be my excuse? <laughs> Hair braiding. Just yeah, be honest, Jamie. Kill, don't lie. He's going to kill me that I was talking about hair braiding when I could have been calling him. I should have reminded you. What? I'm not helpful. Why do you even have me on? I can, I mean. I smile, nod, and don't remind you of when you need to call Doug no, Giles. No, you talk. I mean, you're not, you're, it's not smiling and nodding. You talk. All right, I'm going to text him. Uh, um, 
dude, sorry about that. <laughs> Did he text you? Um, no, Matt cut the phone lines and I couldn't use it. Uh, let's see. Matt oh. said. <laughs> Throwing Matt under the bus. Wow. No, I don't know. Uh, dude, sorry uh, about that. Uh, got uh, super busy and forgot to call. Um, can we do, to- I hope he's not really mad at me. Can we do tomorrow, same time? Uh, really sorry. I was talking about, I hope he, I, bet, I bet he's listening too. So I can't like tell him. He's listening to you right now. Try to fabricate some sort of reason. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling him I, I, I got super busy. I did forget. I did, did forget the call. You did. I mean, that's the truth, right? Right. I'm sorry. No, Gia forgot to call. Yeah, that's fine. Can we do tomorrow at the same time? <laughs> you can blame it on me. Uh, okay. It pro- part of the problem is, see, Doug only wants to do 8.30. And I, I would prefer actually to do him earlier mm-hmm. rather than later because 8.30 is always a little too late in the show. Not too late, but I mean, I'd rather do him at, right. at, at like kind of 8 in the middle. or something like that. Uh, but he's going to be, I'd call him now, but then he's going to be mad and, you know. Maybe not mad, but he counts on me calling him. So I wish he didn't. I wish he didn't hadn't done that. But oh well, that's what I get for having you here. Uh. <laughs> no, I'll take care of it. I will I'll figure it out. He knows I love him, right? All right. What time is it? It's time for you to go. Why are you going to go see your priest? I'm on parish council and. I was asked to speak this Saturday at a big um, Catholic event on where we thrive in our parish, and we thrive in many areas, one of which is hospitality. Oh, nice. Yeah. What is that, just beer and wine? <laughs> yeah. It's in a the Catholic vestibule church, before, so. before Mass in the morning. <laughs> Come on in. No. Okay, good. Yeah. The parish council, huh? Parish council, wow. yeah. It's fun. I love my, I love my priest. Love him. What's his name? Father Jim Cormack. Which I knew him when I was back in when I was back. He's been around for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and he's also down at St. Vincent Paul in the city. Oh, nice. That's a great organization. Absolutely. Love the man. Love him. Parish Council? I was on the Parish Council once. I wasn't very good at it. Why? Because I didn't show up at the meetings <laughs> half the time. Because I had to go, I was working or doing something, oh, yeah. you know, didn't go. So, well, didn't last long on the old parish council, that's for sure. You gotta go to the meetings. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Gia, thank you, Gia thanks, Valenti. Thanks for having me on, Gia. Thanks for joining us. RadioFreeAlman.com for all of your gear. You sported some of that gear down in Arkansas, didn't you? Absolutely. Every, constantly wear my tanks, all the time. The white? White. What are they called again? What white do they call it? White marble. White marble. No, white. no, no. It's uh it's the uh, white nationalist is the <laughs> is the color of the uh white. tank. It's the white privilege tank. <laughs> right, exactly. 
Then they have the forest green and then the uh, military green. Right. And I think you talked them into maybe doing some winter gear, too. We're doing winter gear. I love it. All right, Gia. You're the fashion consultant of the Radio Free Almond operation. So uh, have a good day. Say hello to Father Corbett. Will do. And uh, thank you, Matt, for fixing that audio earlier. Facebook's been kind of crazy lately. But thanks for your patience on that, too. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.